any podcast, I just root through them. It's very hard to commit to one, though. You know, when you, when you a new one, and you're 15 minutes in, you go, Jesus, I have another 45 minutes of this to go. I've <laughs> 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 enough of this already. Welcome to Soul to Scene, episode 8. I'm Andy Cooper from RMS Motoring, and I'm joined by Craig Rocco-Allen. Uh, Gaz is on annual leave, and his, his absence is nothing to do with the Germany debacle on uh, the last show. In the show, we have a very special guest, Mr. Bob Flavin. Uh, Bob, you're very welcome, and we look forward to speaking to you later on the show, even though we already have spoke to you already, but you're, you're very welcome. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. Flabless. Good. Uh, flat out, absolutely flat out. But you're, look, you're, you're, you're a very busy man, and, and we'll come to that. But uh, this is the eighth episode of our show, and uh, it f- first came out on the 4th of April this year. And where's the time gone? The six months have flown in. And I know there's plenty of podcasts not knocking out one a week, um, but we do it sort of monthly, and that's how it's going to continue. If it's your first time listening, uh, there's a great back catalogue between us. We've had great guests like Chris Suter, the car painter turned clothier, Chris Gray, the Japanese importer extraordinaire, Jason Barlow from GQ Magazine and Top Gear, and now, of course, yourself, Bob. Um, I think you're the, correct me if I'm wrong, the biggest YouTube car reviewer on the island of Ireland. I think so, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to leave that as the epitaph. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It sounds no. good. It's, go, it's, gonna, it's going to go on the uh, the tombstone, is it? Um, yeah. So look, so look we're, we're really pleased with how our, uh, back to our podcast for uh, a second, because we're patting ourselves in the back here. We've had over 3,000 downloads. We don't know why, but that seems to be a good sign. If you like what you're hearing, uh, the listeners, please, especially on Apple Podcasts, give us hopefully a five-star rating, if you believe it, it deserves one, as it really helps get the podcast out there. And now on to the rest of the show. So, Mr. Bob Flavin, just for the listeners who maybe don't know who you are and well, please correct me if I'm wrong. Where do we start? So you've been producing several YouTube videos a month for what the last decade uh, oh, reviewing over nearly nearly a dozen years. I say it's more than a dozen years. This stage must be about twelve years or so. Yeah, um, um, unbelievable. So like that's a huge uh, undertaking commitment. Uh, so uh, mostly new cars uh, on your next gear show channel. Uh, more recently, car shows. Um, as I say, nearly 70,000 subscribers on YouTube. I think well over 100,000 on TikTok. Uh, you must be yeah, the most watched watch reviewer as well. Um, you're previously the motoring correspondent with the Irish Independent. Mm-hmm. You, had a radio, you had a radio radio slot. And uh, so clearly... I'm, research. <laughs> yeah, I know. And like, I presume a motoring journalist first and YouTuber uh, second, if I've got that the right way... Uh, Round and then I said you've you've sort of widened your remit to include car shows, which will come to bridging the sort of the journalist to the enthusiast, and and then of course you rushed back from Cannonball Ireland, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. later because we we met at a very rainy Malhide Castle in front of the DJ, which was which was the most unnatural place to meet someone I think could be possible because I was getting absolutely pissed on. It was lashing. The, the, it was lashing. The music was pumping. I was like. Bob Andy from from our best podcast, and you're like, I have one finger in one ear because it ra- it's raining sideways into my ear this <laughs> yeah, way, and this the music's is... coming this way, and I go, what? And, yeah, and I'm just terrible at introductions uh, at the best of times, so it was just absolutely uh, awful. But look, you're you're very welcome to the show, 
and uh, we were everybody should subscribe now. This is the part. This is the part where you click the subscribe button, the download button. You give yeah. it five stars, a little review, saying it's absolutely fantastic. This this is where you point. This is if you were doing one of your your videos in the car, you'd be pointing up to the or down or whatever it is to the subscribe. Well, button. I never know which direction it is. I always, I always do this thing as well because it flips in the screen, and you're going, you're pointing at this, you're pointing at not that it came out the other side of the screen. It's wild. So, uh, where are you at the moment? Whereabouts in the world do it? Are you from Bob? I'm originally from Kildare in mm-hmm. Kildare Town in uh, in the Republic, and I'm living in Leash. Does so I live in Port Leash, which is just like one county away. It's only it's not that far away. It's only thirty minutes back from where I came from. But I have lived longer outside of Kildare Town than I ever lived in Kildare Town. So uh, I moved out of home quite early. So I've I've always been used to kind of drifting about the place and moving into whatever I wanted to do next. I've, I've never been easy to nail down either work wise. Or home life. I don't really stay one place very long. But I'm living here about 15 years. And we own the house. So I'm not going to go anywhere too soon. Because there's nowhere to go in Ireland. <laughs> there's no houses for sale anyway. So you can't go anywhere. Oh, it's a mad. It's an absolute. The world's just absolutely mad. If it's anything like the north where house prices are through the roof now. And uh, yeah. And gas and flipping the flipping whole thing with fuel and all the moment. The world's, the world's gone temporarily uh, mental. Yeah, so I think I think it's coming out of lockdown. Consumption went through the roof because everybody suddenly could go where they wanted to go and do what they wanted to do, and and then in the, in the background of all of that, you got Brexit going on, which is which is causes own frustrations of getting stuff in and out of the country because is the border open? Is the border closed? Do we need a sheet? Do we need a form? Do we need a thing? Uh, so I I even I have a merch shop like we we just sell T-shirts and things with Bob yeah. written on it, and they sell worldwide. But mo- we see orders coming in from the UK going, oh no, here we go because this is going to be a problem because <laughs> there's forms to fill out and things you have to do. Like if I want to send something to, to Brussels or to France or anywhere, literally throw it in a bag, put a sticker on it, gone, Dis- disappears. But to England, it's different, or to Scotland or to Northern Ireland, it's different. Even though I could drive up and hand it to you yeah. easier yeah. than send it by the post. One of our last guests was actually a guy called Jason Barlow, writes for GQ. Yeah, you know of him, yeah, yeah. So yeah. At least he's from he's from Bangor, actually, where Craig's from. I was on a up. trip with him on his last week there over in France. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, there you go. go. There you go. But now, <laughs> all the modern drivers know, know each other. One yeah, or the other. Yeah. We kind of have to know each other because you, you run into each other all over the world, kind of reviewing cars. You see a familiar face and go, I met you somewhere like, uh, you know, Monaco four years ago doing something, you know. It's always something. Yeah, yeah. On, unreal. It's like like Ireland, but bigger, I'm sure, because uh, you can always bump into someone. Six degrees of separation or yeah. more or less. Yeah, you do. Yeah. It's weird who you will know. Like you've seen them many times on different little trips, but uh, you've never actually spoken to them before or whatever. They just suddenly turn up beside you going, we're the only two people on this trip. We must get the noise out of now. <laughs> yeah, on, unreal. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, my mind's now turning. Do you, do you, uh, what about Johnny Smith? Do you ever bump into Johnny? No, Johnny. Yeah, Johnny's a mate of mine. Yeah, uh, that's cool. We've, we've been on a few trips together. I'm supposed to work. He's coming over to Ireland to do his uh, late break show and I'm doing some presenting on the stage for him and things. So, um. That's awesome. kind of cool. We were supposed to do something. Uh, lockdown has gotten away of a lot of these. So he was supposed to come over to Ireland with his family. I was supposed to meet him up. And we're going to do this kind of a road trip thing in electric cars. And But then the way lockdown happened, it just couldn't happen. It just never happened. Yeah. Has, has he got a venue yet for for bringing a show over? Because I'm, no. I'm, da- I'm down to get over and see a show, but it, it just hasn't hasn't uh, suited. See, as you know, travel is not straightforward no. at the moment still. And venues are crap at the moment as well because they've gone from being completely empty all the time 
but you couldn't book them because of the way restrictions worked because of numbers to now being open and bookable, but they're so fast to be booked now by bands and stuff. All these, all these venues have been booked up like for years to come. So um, I know Johnny was looking for some place in Dublin, which I'm still working with, but it probably will end up being somewhere like Mondello. You know, we can do it. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily because there's any driving at these events, more like that's to be the only place that will have a weekend day. It'll be empty. Sure. Sure. Well, you're not going to put on a rock concert in Mondello. Like. No, no, <laughs> no. Cool, cool, unreal, unreal. So it's a it's a small world in the in the in the world of the, of the car journalist. Then tiny, yeah, tiny. Anyone from the UK and Ireland would probably have at least seen each other or, or tipped a, a hat to one another at some point or another. Um, but generally, you get to know some like weird destinations because Ireland gets paired up with another country. As soon as it's like Latvia or Estonia or Sweden, or so you get to kind of random people who maybe someone who's speaking. Sometimes it's Russia. Some you know you get to know. Places, weird places. You've been invited to go everywhere. I could go over to Poland in the morning, be sleeping in ten or eleven different houses because I've been on trips with Polish people loads of times. So it's yeah. it's kind of a cool, very small little little fraternity of people. Yeah, on unreal. And uh, I'm just trying to think, even from uh, locally. Then, so when we were standing around at uh, the Cannonball the other day, so you obviously know Justin. Uh, Justin Delaney. Delaney. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, been yeah sure. For years, he used to work with his wife years ago before I was ever modern journalist. Yeah, so I, I know Justin from the days when he started out uh, with Modified Motors and then he went the magazine and then he went out of that and there's uh, farming and all sorts of other Just uh, as well. <laughs> publications, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but he seems to be back into it because he, and uh, I'm just trying to think who else there is down down there. Uh, is there changing lanes I would follow? Is there, Dundee do a bit of stuff? Yeah, uh, I work with Dundee every once in a while as well. I'm on their videos on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So we so. do like a two twin test stuff. Excellent, excellent, cool. But oh, there's tons, there's loads in the like the, the the width and breadth. I suppose Ireland is actually kind of a heavyweight when it comes to the amount of reviewers we have. We per, per per capita, we're very high. There's actually probably too many reviewers. Oh right, okay. If you want to get like if you want to get a press car early because you want it early, you don't want to be reviewing a car that's six months old, right? So yeah, but to get one early. If the press, if the press core is not only putting out one car and there's 20 journalists, you're waiting 20 weeks to get a hold of a car. Yeah. Wow. Right. So your review is so far behind everybody else's. Yeah. Who's going to watch it apart from your loyalist fans. Right. Yeah. So there's always a kind of a scramble to try and get the car a little bit earlier than that, try and give them the first three weeks of being on the fleet. But when you have 40, 50, 60, even up to 90 journalists or 90 people who write stuff for influencers or kind of people on the edge who want to drive a free car, when you have 90 people. If you're if you're the 10th or 11th, your review might as well not come out. Oh, <laughs> it's really not worth it at that point. <laughs> Everybody will have it'll be it'll be everybody in the UK will have reviewed it. Auto Express, they've they'll all have done their stuff. Then you have the independent, the Times, the you know, the video channels, Nobby will have done so. You know, everybody, you're just gonna be further and further down the list. You get ever decreasing circles in reviews. So you either want to be in the first top three, four weeks, or you want to worry about it later, maybe bring it out in a smaller publication or not put quite so much effort into it because you just drive yourself nuts trying to get reviews. Uh, I wouldn't like to be starting a YouTube channel now, put it that way. I was going to say how, that must put you under immense pressure because you know, depending on where where you are in in the queue for the car, and you get the car, and then then you want to get your review out as quickly as possible because everyone else is doing the same thing, and that's it's you hear people talking about the YouTube algorithm, you hear Shmi talking about yeah. it, and all the rest, you know. But like, what what sort of pressure does that put you under when you're out reviewing things? Like, how quickly do you have to turn it around? 
24 hours really like if you're early if you're if you're on an international trip um like i was the last four or five weeks now i've gone on trips i've gone to poland i've gone to germany gone to france i'm in spain on sunday uh like it's just this this relentless thing now you have a chance in at least in your own country to have a review out even when you're on the trip so when i did a review of the ds when we're over with um ds doing their review i actually published that review while i was still in the country Mm-hmm. So I was sitting having my lunch editing that review and then filmed the little B-roll bits to go on top of the review and then published it that evening and uploaded it in the hotel before I went to bed. So yeah. it's that fast if you want to be that quick. But that pressure comes with another form of mental torture because there is a point where you will see other journalists who are getting on press trips that you weren't even invited to. And they're getting press cards that you can't are not available to you. That that's that's a mental stress. On the, on the journalist who's really trying to build a career, maybe trying to build something good, trying to do something right, but just can't get a foothold in the door. He doesn't know the right people or he doesn't do the right, the right yes man invitation. He doesn't say everything's brilliant. Look at this, how brilliant this car is. And there's a lot of journalists at the top of the list who generally don't even, rev, don't, they don't review it. They just kind of read from a press release and show you pretty pictures of the car. They don't really criticize it or compare it to anything. And they tend now because of the, yes man attitude within most uh, uh, journalism circles they tend to get first dibs on most of these cars so eventually the car companies turning all the journalists into people who just go yes this is brilliant thank you give me more and that's all that's going to happen that pressure is very scary everything's brilliant then say that again and everything's brilliant then there's never a bad car there's a number you've probably watched reviews or you've watched a TikTok, a one minute TikTok or a little kind of a Instagram story or a Facebook post. And it's like, look at this. So cool. You press this thing here and that lights up and, and there's absolutely no criticism whatsoever of the car in that video. That's probably a paid review. Now, yeah. they may they might be looking at a concept. They have been out looking at the concept weeks before you get a chance to even see the car. So by the time I review it and I'm looking at it, analyzing it, people are now so jarred towards this, the top five things this car can do. When I come along and go, but the seats are crap. They don't hear it. They don't see it. They don't understand what that means. Said so I've sat in thousands of car seats. That's when I say the seat is crap, it means my, my arse is fairly educated as to what the seat should feel like, <laughs> what's comfortable and what isn't. So that, that moment of criticism comes from a massive amount of experience behind you, which is very hard to get these days because it's very hard to get cars in the first place. Yeah, well, like, do you know what? That's uh, what I like about a good automotive journalist, that they have good experience with, with mm. all types of vehicle and, uh, and have an opinion. No. experience sells experience is everything you can be trained in college as a doctor right and you know all the things and then you walk into an operating room and you don't know what you're doing anymore because you have no experience this is different right it's different from the one you learn from a book same thing is going to be a journalist you learn to be a journalist but until you're in a situation where you're looking at like every motor journalist starts with the first three cars are wonderful because they've no experience to base it on anything else. They can't compare a Ford Fiesta with a VW Up or a, a VW Polo or any of these other cars because they haven't driven the alternative of it. So it just becomes, well, I like the infotainment system or it's the opposite in the scale. They just hate the car. Just They just go to town. They turn into Jeremy Clarkson instantaneously and go, well, the suspension is terrible and ride height is horrible. And they go wild on it. So, for the first kind of six months of journalism, of, of motors review, you can nearly disregard everything everybody says. And then after six months, they've got maybe enough experience to kind of go, the suspension in this car is better than that car because then you have that because point because they've done both. Unreal. Unreal. Look, we've jumped away ahead. 
we yeah. haven't even we, we but but this is awesome. Uh, this is this is this is first class. I'm, but I'm, 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 gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, still I'm still reeling from educated arse. That's the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best lines I think I've ever heard. An educated arse. An exactly. educated arse. And then with Craig, just just an arse. <laughs> <laughs> just arse. That's just. why car companies call us. That's why car companies when we go on a review, they sit. The, the guy that does suspension, the guy that does seats, sits and has dinner with you, and he goes, "Well, what do you think?" And you go, "Well, I didn't like it. It was too hard on one side, or I found the seat was deflating on the other side, or the pedal box was too small." And that all goes into kind of making the car good before it reaches Ireland. That's how the suspension gets made. Suspension is the last thing they fix on a car before it lands out the country. By the way. So the suspension settings on a car in Spain is different to the suspension settings on a car in Ireland. Uh, they have better roads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know what that's that's in well now the roads in Ireland have massively improved in the last yeah. ten years. Um, unbelievable. Uh, used to, the envy has switched sides because we now go down and we can say, look at this road, look at this uh motorway to from Dublin to Galway. Hardly anyone's on it, and it's just billiard table smooth you know it is, yeah yeah it's just on... cruise the whole way yeah, yeah. two flats there's no adventure left like they're straightening out all the roads so <laughs> i know the, the, fun's gone out the, the, the reviewing is the day job then uh i was once described as professional poxy bollocks and that's <laughs> that's pretty much the best description of what i do right so car companies give me a car and they ask me for my opinion on it and i publish that opinion on youtube on instagram on on all my platforms, so Facebook and, and uh, anywhere, TikTok as well. Uh, and I do little clips of the, of the car over the week. And between all of that, it ends up being a review out on YouTube. And then possibly I could be driving maybe three cars a week doing that. That sounds good. I mean, anyone who's in the cars go, wow, three cars a week, right? But that's three reviews a week. That's three of every, everything multiplies by three. So every detail has to come out by three. So the actual job is kind of YouTuber slash journalist but also car enthusiast on the other end of the scale mm-hmm. so i kind of bridge both sides not just new cars i look at some of the older cars i'm making a film next month about an is2 this month actually about, about an is200 and its relationship to ireland and how that works in the irish sense of why it's just so bloody popular here still you know why every young lad wants one they're huge Abby had one i had one yeah i did have one yeah. <laughs> they're not that nice to try. they're slow as shit <laughs> Yeah, there's uh, yeah. Well, no, the the six cylinder one the, is just crap. The Altezza is a, is is a better going a better going thing. But the but, Yamaha engine, the Altezza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's That's a better what, engine. Yeah, revs revs a lot better. But uh, yeah, there's there's just something about them. They're huge up here as well. well for the money, what rear wheel drive car can you buy that's going to offer any sort of entertainment whatsoever? There's they're nothing the la- else. They're the last. They're the last one, I think. Yeah. Well, other than three series, but how, what's the three series going to do? Like, it'll break down. That's for certain. It's going to. Yeah, yeah. It's going to cost money. Three series. You need to have one. You need to find a diff or a weld a diff and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Whereas an IS two hundred Sport is ready mm-hmm. to go out of the box. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to make a, a movie about it. Now. It's not just that. It's a eighty six. It's it soars. It's the Toyota relationship. Particularly, I think to to Ireland, where it's much more popular here than it is in basically anywhere else in Europe. Uh, you go over to Germany, drive down the Autobahn, just count how many Toyotas you see. None. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Be very, very little. The odd car here and there would be a Toyota. You drive down the motorway here in Ireland, and it's like every second car is a Toyota. Yeah. So it's, it's a very different relationship. We are Europe, but we're not Europe on certain things. Yeah. Well, look, one of our previous guests, guests Chris, he runs a, a Japanese parts import business and lived out in Japan for nearly uh, 10 years. But obviously, a huge, uh, all Ireland is a huge market for him. 
because mm. he sells A86 parts, you know, and 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 he can get IS200 parts and, and all sorts of other <laughs> Japanese, you know, because there's such a huge, uh, enormous uh, following over here. But yeah, so that's interesting too. You're looking at you're you're stepping outside your normal your yeah. normal zone of 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 car reviews. But let let's look at the car reviews first. And you sort of talked about the uh the time scales you're under for turning things around and all that sort of kind of mm. so, so you were you were saying that uh, like wh- where were you in the last week or two so last week uh was it last week it seems like this week but it was last week i think i was in um uh france i was in Cannes in france testing Peugeot 308 which took three days of a trip so we flew out the day before i hate red eye flights i can't stand them because mm-hmm. you, you start you start your day at four o'clock in the morning and then you finish your day at midnight in another country you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're going to bed, then you're getting up the next day, driving the car, and then driving home, and you get very tired, very irritable, very easy to miss things, and very, lack of concentration and stuff. So it'd be dangerous. So we tend, well, I always try to go for the kind of three day review. So you go out the night before, you spend the time in a hotel, you get up the next day at your leisure, and then you go on and, and drive the cars. But um, for, um, well, thank you. Just order some water there, and it happened to turn up the right time. Sorry. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> you can cut this bit. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, no. That- um, but for, for reviews, when you're doing reviews, you can either be first or you're last. So there isn't really an in-between point of that. You can be with the first batch of reviews that come out, which is, which in this country is the UK. So the UK tends to get the, the cars first, tend to get the reviews first. If you can be within an ass's roar of their review, you will get the spillover audience in this country. While they're looking at something else, you, the algorithm will present your review to the person. So they're looking at Matt Watson, reviewing the car the next thing up is your review and that's what you hope that's going to happen through yeah. the algorithm but that requires speed and speed can be difficult to do when you're making a video on your yeah. own i mean uh writing review writing 500 word review is a half an hour and a half an hour of editing uh filming something is six seven hours then editing that again come another six seven hours trying to get it right particularly if, not, if anything goes wrong in that review so the time pressure and the pressure on your brain can be quite high unreal and back when you were kicking off your youtube career 10 12 years ago where are you getting cars were you writing about cars at that stage and and then you could easily or 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 how did that all how did that all kick off i was beautifully made redundant from an entirely different job called purchasing manager so i used to purchase uh bathroom wear sanitary wear to be called or not not china not like flatware which is plates and things but this was all battery bathroom stuff so Thousand euro toilets and thousand euro taps and stuff. Real designer gear. Gold plated shitters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were doing that. We were t- we were bringing in Dornbrecht taps, which are like a thousand quid, and getting them gold plated for for I can't mention names still, but we're getting them gold plated for famous people in Ireland. Um, the whole Trump, Irish rugby team. Bought, yeah, the, the whole Irish rugby team bought stuff from me, right? Me, they came in very quietly, but that was back then. And then two thousand and eight. Uh, the world collided with uh, with Lehman Brothers in America and everybody lost their job. Essentially, more or less everyone in Ireland had lost some part of the job or got a reduction in wages or their whole business shut down. And I was in that latter part. Essentially, the whole business went to the wall very quickly because it was surviving entirely on credit, bridging loans, all that sort of stuff, all the things they don't do anymore. So I was okay though. I had redundancy, you know, I was nicely qualified. We just had a child. We just bought a house. We just bought a car. All those things happened all at once. And I was never done it at exactly the same time, right? But we're okay. I had a good like 12 months of money. You know, that kind of, if you could trim the sales, you'd be all right. But that's not the way things are working. <laughs> <laughs> things change very quickly. 
But uh, because there was essentially no work, nobody needed a purchase manager that fast and nobody was looking in the motor industry for anything. And I thought, I'll just, I'll just start a blog. Just everybody was starting a blog. So it's just started a thing called smokerspack.com. Um, because when you're ordering a BMW, you used to have to order a smokers pack, which is an ashtray, lighter, lighter and stuff. And they were always just deleting them. Yeah. And it, it took my mind. I just call it that. I didn't like the name, but I thought I'd call it that anyway. And I started just writing about cars, about car life, about fixing cars, about doing cars. Then I signed up to a couple of media things for press releases and I rewrote, not, pre- not a writer, but I rewrote some of the press releases. Then I rang a local dealership, Downies, and I said, uh, can I get a lend of uh, a Ford Mondeo? And he said, no. So I rang a different dealership and said, I want to come up and see a Ford Mondeo. <laughs> I might buy it. <laughs> So uh, I got to Ford Mondeo, drove it out the road, took four or five pictures of it, brought it back to the dealership, said absolutely nothing to the dealership about reviewing the car, blurred out the license plates and put this online, this this text review of a Ford Mondeo. And uh, audience came. People started asking questions. There was comments and emails and things going in. I just started answering the emails. Then I, then I looked around and thought, this is getting good. You know, I started reviewing more cars. Uh, but as it got good, then I realized everybody was doing what I was. There was loads of players. It was TopGear.com, AutoExpress. They were all doing these kind of text reviews of pictures. So I thought I'd just make a video of a car instead next time. So I brought my own car, my set layout, out, and a really crappy DV camera. It's actually there. It's there behind me. There's a, a reload. It's got tape sticking out of it. It's a horrible thing. And I made a film. I hated it. And the sound was horrible. And then I went off and bought a different camera. And once I bought a different camera, I uploaded one video on YouTube and people watched it. Then I, then I went into the video. I was actually in the video. Then people were looking at me. Uh, I got no views, very few subscribers. And then out of nowhere, Renault rang me and said, do you want a press car? And I went, what's a press car? <laughs> I don't know what that meant. What's a press? What do you do with a press car? And they go, well, just give you the end of a car. You just drive it around, give us a review, see what you think. So I went, okay, review. I remember when I picked it up, I didn't know, did I have to pay for fuel or do I have to pay the, what do I do, pay the tolls? Can I bring it home? Do I have to put fuel in and bring it back? It's like a rental car, you know. Knew none of these things. Uh, I drove it home, did the re- video review. Within a week, pretty much every car company in the country was ringing me going, well, you do reviews? You do reviews, video reviews, right? What? So, yeah, oh, here's, your, here's cars. Do cars. So that Christmas, like, what's going on? There's a car every single week for the next, like, 20 weeks. And it was weird. So but that was 2000 and, God, I don't know when that was, 2009, maybe 2010, something like that. So you must think, Bob, there must there must have been a timing involved there that, you know, whatever year that was. Because I don't think that you've, from what you've said earlier, that wouldn't happen today because there's so many people. No. YouTube is taken seriously now, though. At that time, YouTube was a kid's app. A bit like the way people treat TikTok now a kid's app or Snapchat or something, you know, they look at it as if it's some sort of childish thing to do. So when I started uploading videos, people were just going, ah, look, your video is no future. You never make any money at that. And, you know, that's just, it's only for kids. Look at YouTube. Now it's like a TV station, right? So this Mm -hmm. is 10, 12 years later. And like, I get more, when I'm, when I'm on form before lockdown, when I was at the kind of height of YouTube, I got more hits per week than the Late Late Show would on TV. Uh, and most YouTube channels would be like that. So it technically, if you take hits as viewers, I'm more famous than Ryan Tuberty. It's just that straightforward. <laughs> right? so you take it that way around. That's how that works, right? It's just take two different media formats and throw them together as one thing. But it's counted differently from television. Television is still seen as a sort of a halo thing, even though television is rubbish at the moment. Everybody streams stuff now. You know, everybody goes to, to Netflix or 
or Amazon Prime or, you know, Apple TV or something and watch their stuff there along with YouTube. So YouTube's taken very seriously as an app now. But I think TikTok is the one that people are now saying is all about kids, but they've realized that like I've become super famous on TikTok over the last 12 months, less than 12 months, 11 months. I've gone from being not recognized in the street now to be stopped every day for a selfie. That's just from TikTok. It's young people on TikTok. So you you can dismiss these little platforms as childish things. And that's what happened to YouTube 10 years ago. People weren't taking it seriously. Now, all of the biggest car viewers in the world have a YouTube channel. And that's their primary outlet. But what what made you think 12 years ago when no one else was really doing it, that that was the place to spend your time? So you've just been made redundant. You're starting to get these cars and you're starting to make videos. And it's not, it doesn't seem like a popular thing. You know, was it was there something that you just thought I really enjoy doing this, or it was getting the message out there? What 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 made you stick at it for like? It's um I don't know a, a lack of self doubt. I, I if I decided to do something, you'd probably never talk me out of it. And I hate being told what to do, which is the other part of that. So if someone tells me I can't do that, that's the worst thing to say. It's going to make me want to even more. So there's an element of of a sort of an insanity, but I always love Top Gear, Fifth Gear, the TV show element of it. Yeah. But to to make to me to get on to a TV show was going to be impossible. Like that was that, there's no Irish television show that could host what I do, and it was very difficult. But now suddenly I looked at YouTube and I could actually have my own car show. Like I could do Top Gear on a small scale on YouTube mm-hmm. the way I want to do it. So that actually spurred me on even more. This ability to be able to, to be or to imitate kind of Clarks and Hammond and May or kind of bundle them into one person and put them all onto YouTube at the same time. And um, once, once I remember, I still remember my first comment. Like I can still, I can still remember that excitement of the first person. Wasn't just a number that said 35 views. Somebody went, you don't know what you're talking about when you talk about cars. It was the first <laughs> comment. And I go, he's probably right, really. Cause I was like, yeah, to start doing it. But uh but at the time, I took huge offense at that. But that's just, you know, you just kind of insulate yourself from it and move on. Oh, do you know what? That's the nature of the internet. Like, I've, I've run a large forum for, like, 20 years. And, mm. like, the, the, the walls of defenses have just grown over, <laughs> over the years. You know, you just, you just, the, the skin's so thick, you know, like, everything just, just uh, bounces off because people are people can just be absolutely uh, crazy. On, and, and especially yeah. on social media, you just look at some of the... The comments you go into a big news website and you see some of the comments and you go oh my god you know but i do feel sorry for young people who are suddenly famous i i was i was 10 years on youtube so i was already getting recognized in car groups and other journalists so i was kind of sort of used to it and tiktok exploded like and i suddenly now was recognized in the street everywhere i go everywhere i go you, you become a little bit conscious of what you're doing when you're out in the public as well but i can't imagine some young person who's never been famous goes on to TikTok, does one dance and bang, they've got 6 million views and everybody knows them in the street. That's very difficult to do. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't have the defenses of an older generation person who can just go, yeah, right, whatever you said, pal. Yeah. 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 I'm famous, fuck off. See, see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I make more money than you. <laughs> it's just, you know. <laughs> so so you're, you're sort of uh, veteran level uh, now at this yeah. stage. So, so when, when you move to, when you see these new platforms like Snapchat, like TikTok appear, you're a lot more comfortable with, with working with them because of what's come before, I suppose yeah. is what you're trying to say. It's yeah. like gladiator school, you know, you get used to it after a bit, then you go in for the big fights after a while. But I do create uh, accounts every new platform, any new platform. You just create an account, even just to reserve my name on it. So if mm. that platform becomes good, my name's at least there. It still yeah. says Bob Flavin, right? Still, that's still at least there or something similar to it. 
So when I created a TikTok account, I just went in and went, what's TikTok? And I looked at five or six dances, a few cats falling down the stairs, went, all right, sure, I'll create an account here and see what happens. And that was like last October, November. Well, well, well like I think we need, if, if there's anyone listening to the show and they haven't heard you and haven't seen some of your reviews, I've, I've, I've one of my clips here from, from your review, the GRERS. I have a GRERS, right? And uh, you love <laughs> this car. Nice. What a machine! Oh, yeah. That's mad. That's not right. That's not right, Toyota. How can you manage to get that much grip from such a small car? And I think this is one of your, your you know, you were talk, talking earlier about some people who just review in a car and they're just, they're just reading off the press literature. Yep. Whereas there is uh, sometimes, I think, 90 plus percent, Bob Flavin, <laughs> and I and I say this with with love, with, yeah. that you know that there, but but that I think that's that's the appeal too because you know you you have the uh, your the, the critical arse. Yeah, <laughs> but, I've always tried to keep it. I've always tried to to think of someone going on a test drive. You know, when you walk into the dealership and you jump into the car for the first time, how do you feel? Like you could be coming from a 15-year-old car to a brand new car, so you're going to be overdone by the whole lot. It's my job to give you the stuff to look at. So when you actually go for that test drive, you go, well, mom said the seat was a bit hard, you know, or the suspension is a bit stiff. And so you go out thinking about what I told you to think about on the way. So you have to think of that. But then you also have to show if something's good, if something's exciting to do, you kind of have to show that on screen as well. That's what a lot of reviews miss out on. Someone will just stand there and tell you the size of a door handle or, you know, the, oh, the windows in the back don't roll down, they flip out. That's the comedy moment. It's over there. You're like, you're just kind of going, wow, well, that was hilarious. You know, uh, They just miss it, you know? Yeah, on, unreal. And, uh, well, what, what do you drive yourself? Maybe maybe you just drive other people's cars all day. Is there is there something in, in the Flavin driveway or is there, there is. A pl- is there a plan? For something in the in the in the Flavin driveway, there's three plants, so we have a number of plants. That was a good plan. The problem is, I have so many cars and so many reviews to do. I don't really get to drive our own car, which was it is a Seat Leon. So it's a a 2006 Seat Leon. So it's 14 years old now, nearly 15 years old. Um, we bought it brand new. Uh, we've held it forever because because we had it. It was like four or five years old, and I started reviewing cars. So. Suddenly there was two cars in the driveway anyway. You know, we didn't need this. This other car became a second car to everything. Um, so it does about 7,000 kilometers a year. And we spent about 2,000 euros on it recently, put it absolutely buying back to normal, back to where it should be. Got a full service, got everything. That's the most I've ever spent on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the plan for it was to leave it absolutely stock for as long as we could and then try and sell it as a classic. But I think that plan has gone out the window as I kind of like the look at the V-Man wheels and there's some lowering kits and things I could do to the layout, which means my brain is gone. I could modify this car so easily. <laughs> I've seen so many modified cars. They're so cool. Um, but my wife is gone. I like the suspension the way it is. And I'm going, but we could put some coilovers on. It'd be fine. It's just a little bit lower. <laughs> Is, is is this the uh, the effect rubbing off of you of uh, some of those? So very recently, you've you've started organising some uh, meets. I think yeah. in Port in, in Port Leisure somewhere, wasn't it? So yeah, um, there was a, a distinct. There was there was lots of little meets happening in Ireland. So lots of car clubs are doing phenomenal work at keeping their membership happy. But there was there was no appeal for people outside the clubs or people from 
ordinary walks of life to come to these meets and actually get enthusiastic about modified cars. And I thought that was missing because I can remember that from the 80s. I remember we had meets to be two or 300 cars at the meets. There'd be people coming from all over the country to see this stuff, you know. And that was just word of mouth before the internet. And I thought we could do something again because I was invited down to a meet called Salt Hill Sundays when I started TikTok first. And we went down. It was the first kind of big meet that had happened in the country. And because because my TikTok account was growing really fast at the time, and I said, I'm going on to Salt Hill Sundays, then tons of people came down because I was going to ask about it. So it became this like now notorious meet, shut down the entire Galway city, dragged the whole thing to a, to a ground and all. We were on the news. The, the local radio was on. The town councillors came out. Like it just became something. Because God was really easy to block up. Anyway. But I, then I realized there was a kind of a groundswell of people who did want to come along with their modified cars and show them off to other guys who were modified, but also to the general public. So it became this kind of not... I didn't do it on purpose, but it became this kind of bridge between modified cars and kind of ordinary people out there who want to see stuff. So now we had a meet uh, last Sunday uh, in a tie called Autumn Vibes, and that had like two and a half thousand people coming on to it. And it's just an ordinary outdoor in an industrial state meet. We brought a burger van. We had DJs. We just did all the stuff we had. We had uh, Batman and Bane at it. It was very uh, family oriented stuff. And then during the summer was the first one we did, which is called, which is called Summer Vibe, which I put on in Junction 14. That had 4,200 cars at it. There was people parked Fuck. in different counties trying to get in. Oh my uh, God. There was a town nearby, Monstrevin, and there was more cars parked in Monstrevin than there was in Junction 14, just trying to get to Junction 14. We had Garda helicopters. We had guard inspectors in cars. We had a lot that night. It was, <laughs> it was chaos. <laughs> but uh, it showed a huge appetite for the car scene to come back to Ireland. People, ordinary people, mothers and fathers were coming along going, my son and daughter want to see on these cars. So I've driven all the way here from Donegal to come yeah. and see these cars. Um, and it was a summer evening, summer Saturday evening. It was beautiful evening. Actually. Supermax was packed. Like It was just a lovely vibe in the whole place. Do you know? Do you know what people are just absolutely dying to do something like that after after the year and a half we've all had? Yeah. Sure, sure. Look, look at uh, um, Cannibal. There's a there's a lovely segue into the Cannibal. But you look, look at the look at the <laughs> amount of people that turned up. Uh, number one turned out up at a rainy Malahide Castle. It was packed. Yeah. Uh, and and I I couldn't believe it. Uh, after I met you and I left Malahide Castle, it must have been about five minutes before the cannonball cars were due to leave and I couldn't get over. There was just cars lining the roads. I, I, I passed, I, I was driving up the N7, M7 or N7 and there was a guy standing underneath the motorway bridge with his camera ready to go. And I was like, what the hell are you doing standing <laughs> on the side of the motorway? <laughs> so, I know. But and then and then up at uh, Belfast outside the uh, the Titanic. Uh, that was some arrival. It must be eight eight thousand or nine thousand people. They said it was in in uh, Belfast that night. Yeah, and it was just it was it was unbelievable. But uh, that was great too. They might have cars at it and the interest. That's it. There there is a huge appetite of of interest. I was at a car show last weekend and it was uh, at the Titanic uh, Dubs and it was they run it every year. They've run it for ten years. It was the biggest year they've ever had. Yeah. yeah, because people just want to get out and uh, they want to do it. something that takes them out of there. Like it's my job as I, I would class myself nearly as an entertainer. So what I did during lockdown, because I knew people were struggling, I knew everyone was struggling. So what I tried to do during lockdown was give them something else to focus on, give them something in the future to look at that they can do or get involved in or an interest. And I think hobbies have died a death since computer games start. And I'm a massive computer gamer. But I think a lot of hobbies have fallen off the cliff, uh, you know, uh, building airfix planes or 
or collecting models or fixing your car or going yeah. getting a Haynes manual and getting under your car and doing something to the exhaust. Everybody's scared to do that. And because new cars now come with this hands-off idea, you know, you're not supposed to be opening don't service yourself, bring it to the dealer for the service. You know, people are really nervous doing that. So what I try to do is to give them an opportunity to say, well, yeah, of course you normally want to have it. It's your car. You do what you want. <laughs> like, you know, do something. Look at this thing. Look at that thing. Look at Haynes. Look at this manual. Here's an app you can download and do. So just try to get people into that frame of mind. And then TikTok turned into something about trying to get insurance for young drivers and how to get your license, where to get lessons. And some of it came from me just Googling stuff. And other stuff came from a thing I do, which is I used to do every Sunday. Uh, I did it for the entire of lockdown, one year, uh, every single Sunday. I put on this, this show, a two-hour show called The Sunday Service. Uh, it's a live show on YouTube. So I just answer questions, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions for two hours. And I can easily do three hours. It lasts that long. It just keeps going. Uh, but I cut it short to two hours. So nearly every question I was asked on TikTok, I've been asked before on YouTube. Just it's It was there all along, long before TikTok came along. I was doing that YouTube thing. Yeah. So it was easy to answer questions, but it gave them something else to focus on. I think TikTok gave them something else to focus on, not just dancing kids or cats falling on stairs. It was something else. This adult was suddenly speaking on behalf of young people who didn't know what they were doing. So uh, you've uh, reviewed cars and you mm. have the whole market of new vehicles and dealing with manufacturers and dealerships and OEMs and all that sort of stuff. And, and then you have the car enthusiasts and you've, you've done all these summer vibes and autumn vibes. And then you have this whole other demographic, which is the cannonball and yeah. the type of people and the type of cars. And, and I don't know what the average value of a vehicle and the cannonball was, but I'm sure it's in the several hundreds of thousands. Like yep. what, what, what is that like as an experience? Cause it does, it does look well from an outside perspective, it seems quite expensive to do. And it seems yeah. like you need to have uh, be quite well healed to do it. it. Does look like a lot of fun. It also looks like something sort of fr- from, from like uh, the days gone by in like the nineties or something where it was, it was acceptable to have uh, like uh, scantily clad women and, and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> I know there is that. Uh, there yeah, is. yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but what, what was the experience like? Have you done it before? So I have to so my second cannonball to do this year. This is the first time I actually paid for it myself. The first cannonball was actually sponsored. I never heard of cannonball. The first time I heard of it, uh, Carzone uh, sponsored me to go into cannonball the first time. I'd never heard of it. They heard me in Aston Martin DB9. It just let me loose in cannonball. <sighs> The only thing I'd ever heard of Cannibal Run was the Burt Reynolds movie from the 1980s. That's the yeah, only, yeah. and that that has uh, Dean Martin drinking in one of the opening sequences. He's behind the wheel of a Ferrari drinking a scotch. And he, he says to Sammy Davis Jr., hold my drink for this corner. <laughs> <laughs> he holds the scotch and goes around the corner. Then he takes the scotch back and takes a big sip of it. Uh, so that was my only basis for what Cannibal Run could be. But And, and the open, opening sequence with the red uh, Lambo. Yeah, that yeah, that? yeah with, the, with the two yeah. girls in it. Yeah, yeah. Cannonball. Cannon, they, they, yeah. They do the thing over the speed limit and they go off again and they're chasing by the, all the, the cops. That's exactly my idea of it. So my day one on Cannonball was to play on repeat the Cannonball Run theme tune, right? <laughs> Out the windows of the car with the windows rolled down, uh, which is a really cheesy 80s song, but it's, de- it's a deadly song. But that was Cannonball 1. But Cannonball 2 was as a different experience because I, I've matured into it, I suppose. And I also, I paid for my own seat, which which changes your perspective of what you're doing because you earned it. You, you worked to be there. Yeah. Uh, it's not that someone's you, you don't have any responsibility to make videos for somebody you know you're not mentioning your sponsors or your brand names none of that crap you just get in the car and drive right um 
there's two cannonballs. The cannonball you see is the public. So when you turn up to Malahide Castle, you see us all standing around, you see the cars parked there. Then you hear the words cannonball, or your man gets up and stays and does his little talk. Then there's this other side of cannonball when he says to the autos. That phrase that comes in at the end, cannonballers, to the autos. You get in the car, now it's a race. In your brain, you need to be somewhere else really quickly because you're always late. You're trying to get to lunch breaks. You're trying to get to petrol stops. You're trying to get, you're always running for something. So it becomes this convoy of noise and color and you watch out for other cannonball stickers on the road in case you're going the wrong way or, you know, there's always something happening. And then there's the kind of fight of how fast you can go to get where you're going versus the actual legal speed limits of things and how, how you're going to get there in one piece. And all that enters your head, but it's, there's no other weekend. If you're into cars or into speed, there is nothing else like cannonball and it's not a race. It's an experience of some sort. Um, it has some very bad sides to it. Some things don't work because it's kind of an old, an old it's 14 years, I think, on the go. So it's, it hasn't changed much in that 14 years. Um, so there is some things that really, really need to be modified on. But there's other parts of just the people, the cannonballers that are on it with you. And that kind of background experience you get as a cannonballer that you can't get anywhere else, nowhere else. Because of the type of people that that go on the cannonball, is that because it's just a, yeah. so if you're listening, it's a, it's a two and a half grand per person. That would be per person, yeah. So it's about 3,200 quid for two people in two rooms for the weekend, then the car and the petrol and drinks after that. So more lunches and dinners are taken care of in that fee and your hotels looked after. But that's kind of it. And things like we, we took a ferry on Tarbert Ferry that's all paid for as well as all part of it. So most of the stuff is actually paid for out of the fee. If you were to calculate and go on a, on a three-night hotel run around Ireland, uh, you'd probably pay fairly similar amounts of money for a couple of you to go and have a good time and pay for all your meals. And all. You know, that'd be all part of it as well. So sure. it isn't cheap. Um, there is a donation to charity of it. There is some criticism over how much gets donated to charity from Cannonball. But realistically, it's an experience like there's not there's nothing else i don't think there's any other run that anyone else does that comes to the the crowds the circus we get dressed up there's costumes there's lights there's big screens and music and djs and characters you know like flash he's an american police guy they can arrest you at any time they can pull you over the blue lights and these they're not cops but they're dressed up as american new york police (laughs) um and they arrest you can interrogate you and then there's the police the german police who are there the whole time and they're zooming around after you can't it's illegal to overtake them so when you overtake them you get arrested that evening these things happen off off schedule they're happening at dinner they're happening at only when there's other cannonballers around you do you see these things go on you're the only one knows these things happen Splash the cash, Andy. Splash the cash. You have to. There's so many people. Since I did Cannonball this year, the amount of people I met at the, the car show the other day going, I'm doing Cannonball with you next year. I want to sit in your passenger seat. They go, it's, it's taken. It's already done. <laughs> yeah. I could have five or six lads in the passenger seat this day. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to try and put an M5 in next year, which is about our plan. We, we Myself and David Cuddy, who did a, a Cannonball run with me, he owns an M5, which has been in storage for like five years now. So it's it needs a lot of rubber stuff you know the way that all perishes over time right so it needs all that stuff done but if we get it done we're going to turn it into a, into a cannonball car next year because this year you used you uh used a new super 
the new Toyota Super from Toyota Ireland, they handed it to me. They, didn't, they went, I don't know what a cannonball is, but sure, you want to do it. So you might as well go ahead. And then that Super has become the most famous Super. There's ever, the millions of pictures of that. It's in videos all over the place, but you're not screaming my name as it goes by. It's the freakiest experience. Driving through Kells, not like here's a wall. That's Bob Laffin's Supra. <laughs> it was wild. Do you know Lovely what? It, it was interesting because uh, when when I left you guys at Malahai Castle, I was I was heading down to Mandela for a track day, and yeah. uh, I I was really early, so I stopped off at petrol station to get a cup of coffee and chill out and do a few meals and stuff like that there. And then all the cannonball cars come in, but uh, that's the interesting thing about cannon the cannonball as well. Also, oh, we're not I, a petrol at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, number num, number one, some of the stuff you're talking about. I think you'd only get away with it in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, also as well, some sometimes some of that stuff could seem uh, antisocial in in other setups, but the way the cannonball comes in, like you say, it's like the circus comes to town. You mm. see smiles in people's faces and kids going out to see the cars and all the rest. And then I watched some of the videos of you. Uh, yes, you were in Kales and all the rest. And you guys just get mobbed. Yeah, yeah. My car got, surra- my car got stopped on the road. Uh, you couldn't. I couldn't see out the front with the mounted lads pointing cameras through the windscreen at me because uh, they were just like in, in a sort of a contained spot. We we had an optional petrol station stop there, but it's only a small petrol station, so we couldn't just drive in and park. You mm-hmm. could only go in if you're going to get fuel, and I didn't really need fuel, so I thought no more about it till I got to Kells, and there was just mobs of people in Kells, and then uh, we went up the road again to... Um, it was a castle up the road. I can't remember what it's called now, but same again, mobs and mobs and mobs of lads hanging around the place. Uh, but it, it is a very, I, like if I was actually famous, you know, if you were like Beatles famous, it must be scary because I got a bit worried. I thought I was going to run over somebody or, you know, you can't move the car forward because it's just all around screaming yeah. at you, looking for the next picture, you know. Uh, but it's wonderful. Such really positive people. Um, unbelievable. Uh, there's a there's a picture somewhere of the there was a there's a Ute, you know, like the the pickup thing that's oh, yeah. Think, yeah, the black black <laughs> that's uh, the yellow, Simon, yeah. yeah yeah black and yellow or something like that. And there's a picture of him doing a huge burnout, and there's like two or three guardy stat like standing yeah. watching. <laughs> it's true, yeah. We did all yeah. that. I put up a video of his his Ute. We put we put Flash, who's the American police officer, on the flatbed part of it at the back, lying face down. Pull down his trousers so his, his, his butt's out in the air. And then Pat does this huge, long burnout. It's on my TikTok account. Uh, he does this massive, long burnout. And, and Flash is just hanging on to the back of the thing. But sure, we were going through Belfast. It's, it's weird how it's weird how Cannonball kind of legitimizes things. People want you to do this stuff, you know. Um, we were going through uh, Belfast. And every time we got to a traffic light, we do a burnout. Every time. Just the, every, the whole place just turned into a cloud of smoke. Everything would. It's just around, all around us. Every car. People who weren't even in Cannonball were doing burnouts. There was Porsches and things beside us and they were just doing these burnouts beside us. We're going to go, who's he? <laughs> I, I would uh, like to point out, I didn't take my Porsche down. To that's okay. To <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of deniability involved. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. We all, I, at some point of the weekend, I think every, like even as uh, toll bridges were an event, you know, we'd, we'd get to a toll bridge, it was surrounded by people, the whole place turned into a massive cloud of smoke. As sort of impatience, you want to get on, and the thing that's slowing you down makes a lot of, you know, everybody just suddenly burnouts all over the place, and that's doing mad stuff. And for some reason, that's, that's, Okay, when I know eventually someone's going to go, no, health and safety is dangerous, but I think it's kind of expected with a cannonball, you know? Yeah, so, so just uh, unbelievable the 
the draw at had, I just say, I'll post some more pictures up in the sh- in the show notes as well, and I'll, I'll hook out that video of the 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 R site uh, yeah. burnout. Um, since you're you're an arse expert, as you, I, am, actually, <laughs> you yeah. I, I have a very educated arse when it comes to arse. <laughs> Most educated arse in Ireland. Unreal. I test your seats.com. <laughs> <laughs> so. I- what what about lockdown? How how did lockdown? So I, I can tell how lockdown has maybe changed things. You've maybe you've maybe uh, went out and uh, looked at the car enthusiast community. But but back last year, how did that affect your your day job? The first I don't remember the first lockdown. There was a six week lockdown promised, right? Everybody went sure. We, we cleared this up in fourteen days, and then it became <laughs> six weeks. And now here we are, like two years later, we're still going. This isn't still isn't fixed. But the first six weeks, everybody was behind lockdown. You remember that time where everybody felt it was it was a good thing. This is cool. I can plant some vegetables in the back garden, get a bit of a suntan. This will all blow over soon enough. Right. (laughs) Just go to the off license, get some wine, have a lovely little wine and cheese dinner just with us in our little cocoon. Six weeks later, you're climbing the walls thinking, I got to go outside. (laughs) I've got to go further than two kilometers from the door. (laughs) This is driving me nuts. (laughs) So the lockdown lifted a little bit and then it was back on again. But the second lockdown that no one was behind was the time where where I started producing uh, documentaries on YouTube. So I made a documentary about Tesla, Nikola Tesla, the real guy, as well as Elon Musk's Tesla. Mm-hmm. which he didn't invent that. So, but I also made a documentary about um, the origins of diesel uh, and how uh, Rudolf Diesel was the guy who invented the engine, not the fuel. He wanted to run on peanut oil. These kind of weird little blips in history that changed everything for everybody. And then I talked about the invention of the actual motor car uh, and, and how Henry Ford worked with Thomas Edison to make electric cars first and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and the more I made these kind of creative things, because I wasn't getting press cars, the more people latched onto my YouTube channel for more of these kind of creative ones. And so this suited me down to the ground. And then I discovered TikTok. And I sat one evening for, I must have lost four hours in TikTok in a blink of an eye, just going, scroll, scroll, scroll. What is it with this app? It's amazing. This little tiny short form vertical crap video of some person dancing is brilliant, right? Uh, and then I thought I have to create an account because you can't comment without an account. So I created an account and then I made a TikTok and nobody watched it. So I made another TikTok and two people watched that. And one person asked a question that was October by November, by November, the middle of November, I had 10,000 followers. Like it just went like a blink of an eye. Unreal. And I woke up another morning and I'd gained 9,265 <laughs> followers overnight in one night. And I didn't know what I thought I was actually doing something wrong. I thought I kicked a dog in a video or I thought, you know, I thought something I'd run over somebody in a video and now they're all latching on to yourself. Yes. This is jackass. They're coming for <laughs> not car answers. Right. So, um, but it just kind of picked up. And by December, I had like 50-something thousand followers. Then January is 100,000. It just kept climbing along till they changed the algorithm. Then it changed it a little bit. But but um, TikTok brought brought something for everyone. I mean, I, I, st- I don't know if you ever heard of an app called Omegle. No. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, random chats with people. You know, you just go online, you turn on your webcam, and you, you randomly sort of shuffle through people. And if they're not showing you a penis, 
if there's a face there, you're doing well, right? It's one. It's a weird <laughs> app. It's it's a really risky thing to be you're doing. Here, I, right? I'm I'm here for the arses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just an arse or just a penis. <laughs> that's about as best you're gonna get. Uh, but I thought if I did Omegle one night and I point my TikTok live camera at the Omegle screen and I randomly shuffle through Irish people, right? So I started a conversation with young guys that are stuck off out in Mayo. They hadn't been out to the door in six months. Everything shut down for them. We ended up chatting and talking and stuff. And before the end of the live, there was 20,000 people watching the live. 20,000 people across the world were all attached engrossed in the conversation that were happening i thought this is brilliant but then of course people started getting banned because started whipping out their bodily parts and waving them around in front of tiktok it doesn't work well on tiktok <laughs> immediate bans people lose the account so we stopped doing that but but uh, it was a fun like a fun moment in time that kind of grew the account but it meant to one at the end of lockdown i had a ton of job offers uh, because I was now very well known. I didn't even know how well known I was because I hadn't been outside the door much. Then lockdown properly lifted and I started going to a like a car meet and suddenly everyone at the car meet knew exactly who I was. Then you just realize, you go, bloody hell, that number, that 131,000 is actual people. Like yeah. they, they actually do know you. So my lockdown went from being kind of known here and there. Once in a while, a fellow would walk up to me in Tesco's and go, what do you think of Ford Focus? That kind of known to now people screaming at me in the street going, I want to get a picture with you, get a picture with you from across the street. It, it just, it happened during lockdown and it literally is a lockdown moment. Do you think that's had a positive effect on your, what I would call professional channel, the YouTube channel yeah. has, yeah. Yeah, it's changed. It's changed. YouTube, they want me to be very serious on YouTube. So they want me to do a serious proper review. They, they prefer that. That's a preference on YouTube. Whereas uh, on TikTok, they want sort of a synopsis or something that points a finger. They want, they want to be a little bit more um, cheeky. They, want to, they, they like being cheeky. They like me being cheeky on TikTok. So there's, there's a slight difference to the audience or to, to the content, which is brilliant for me because I can put on two different kind of hats. I can be a journalist journalist and I can also be a sort of an influencer journalist. If you know what I mean? A kind of a, I can do something interesting on another platform. Sure, sure. Thinking back to your when you actually are away uh, recording, what what goes in the bag? What what sort of kit do you need to actually do one of these videos? What 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 are you carting around with you to to the coat d'azur or can or wherever you are? I used to bring tripods and all kinds of big heavy equipment, but things have gotten so smart these days. Like a, a GoPro Hero Nine is an amazing camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you mix it with the right mic, that's it's sound. I always put a lot of emphasis on sound on the sound of something because. I think people will will watch something that's filmed really badly, but as long as it sounds okay, it's a bit like a podcast. You know, if someone records a podcast on a windy day, you're going to put up with two minutes of this, and then it's like, hold on. I start to get annoyed. The wind is annoying me, right? So the same applies for for uh, reviewing the cars. I've seen guys put phones down on the ground, and they're shouting at the phone. And it's a good, the video image is good, but you can't hear what they're talking about. So in my, really, my bag is made up of my iPhone, which would be probably the number one thing. Um, because I do an awful lot of social media parchment. It all goes on the phone. So iPhone 12, I have the iPhone 12 Pro Max, the big yoke. Um, I use a Sony A6600. There you go. I see you've got one as well. I use a Sony A6600. Mine has my own little logo on the back of it. Oh, yeah. In yeah. case I lose it. <laughs> uh, my Sony camera is is uh, a recent purchase. I only got that this year. I was a Canon camera guy up to that point. Uh, but Canon just didn't have mirrorless stuff. They just weren't doing what I wanted them to do. Not not good enough. Uh, and I use a GoPro Hero 9. And I use, there's another Sony um, Handycam, little tiny Handycam thing, little, like a bullet cam. I use that as well. So I have two angles 
on everything I do. So one camera's pointing at me, one camera's pointing forward. So you can see out the front window the whole time of the review. Uh, so if I comment on a piece of traffic, you can see it in the video as well. Um, what are, what then, are you using for audio? Just just because I'm getting nerdy here. And, and to know <laughs> okay. uh, I use the Rode VideoMic Pro would be the main one, but I'd also use uh, the Rode lapel mics. You know those little... Um, the wireless ones, yeah. Yeah, the small wireless ones. I bought the generation two of it so I can do two mics into one. A yeah. bit more complicated to use, but they are they are worth the money. If you think of what all Sennheiser wireless uh, lapel mics used to be like 900 quid for a, for a pair. Now you can buy the entire kit it even self-records for like 300 quid. It's for nothing. And it's very, very good audio. And you can put that audio directly into, into a phone. I've, I've done, I've used a lightning cable directly to the audio thing. I've hung mics off the end of phones and put the phone on a, on a in my shoe. I've done that as well. Just put take a shoe off, put your phone down in your shoe <laughs> as a tripod and record straight into it, you know, and the, the audio is good. The angle is a bit weird, but the audio is good. You, know? <laughs> you, get, a, you get a smelly lightning port after it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The mic is stinking when you've been but it's all good. Uh, oh, it's the end result is good. It's all that matters. Oh, yeah. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then the mic, a mic I use here is like a gaming mic thing. So that's another voiceover mic I use. But I use a MacBook Pro, uh, the new MacBook Pro, the recent one, the M1 chip one, has an exceptional mic in it. If you get under a duvet with that mic, it sounds deadly. It sounds like a proper voiceover mic. <laughs> the amount of things I've done in podcasts, in wardrobes and stuff, just to make the audio sound dead. You know? Yeah, well, that's why I'm in this in this particular room, because it has carpet and half the rest of the house has hardwood floors. So it sounds like a, you know, <laughs> echo church, everywhere. Everywhere's ch- a church vestry. Uh, otherwise, yeah. But if only uh, people knew the effort it has to go into making a podcast. I mean, just any audio thing. It's it. There's a lot of effort. There's a lot of there's a lot of before work. You make the recording sounds okay, but there's a lot of before work. There's a lot of kind of balancing of the sound audios and things. It's taken us a minute or two to get to where we are. Uh, yeah. to, to be honest, but uh, it sounds better now. But uh, Craig, you've 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 messaged Bob before, haven't you? I have messaged Bob before. Oh dear God, uh, what's this? I was just I was just pulling that up on my phone. It was. <laughs> uh, there we go. Three years ago oh wow i was asking you about uh a bmw 640d or an a6 by tdi all right yeah yeah incidentally i bought neither i bought fucking tuareg instead (laughs) (laughs) it's like it though it's the similar sort of family right (laughs) you you told you told me to buy the by turbo in the end because i was coming off the back of your 640d reviews both of them yeah do you still love the 640d I do. The Grand Coupe, yeah. The Grand Coupe yeah. is still one of the finest cars BMWs ever produced. Heavily underrated. And is only getting into its stride now. People are only realizing how good that car was now yeah. that they're looking for it secondhand. Didn't really buy a lot of them new. The A6 by Turbos makes a fantastic noise. Uh, it's kind of a fake noise, but it makes a fantastic noise. And it's incredible power and real good grip. But I just think it's just... I think 80% of happy ownership of any car is actually looking out the window at the car and saying, I'm driving a cool car. My car is cool. And when you drive by the window on the main street, you can see your reflection and you kind of go, wow, that's a super sexy guy at the wheel of that car. And it's actually yourself. That is how the rest of it is, is a fuel economy and, you know, tire yeah, prices. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's the other bits of it. That's, that's the other part of happy ownership, but just looking at it is more important. And the BMW six series, Grand Coupe, boom, every possible cover. I think I watched that review maybe 
I don't know, five, six times. Is that the one where I yes. grabbed the bonnet and kissed the car? That thing? Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, the yeah. One, yeah. that's the one everybody talks about. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's one of those moments in time where BMW just absolutely nailed it. They nailed it once before in the 5 Series. Chris Bangle designed 5 Series. Everybody hated the look of it. Round zero zero. Everybody hated the look of that, that 5 Series. Now it's a complete collector's item. Now everybody wants to collect it. They want the estate version of it because it, it gets better over time. I thought it was a gorgeous car at the time, but it got fierce bad reviews that before I used to review cars. Bangles a very uh, divisive character, but I agree in the 640D because I had one for two years. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. It was, it was Anastase. Uh, no, no, I did. I had a, a 640D uh, coupe actually, but uh, but it's it's spoiled. Uh, that's a it's a car so good it spoils you when you get into other cars because yeah. everything else is flawed or it's not as well damped or as quiet inside or as causing yeah. or as quick or as economical or as, as you say as subjectively just nice to look at when you, mm. when you when you you see the reflection in the shop window driving through the center of a town yep it looks cool it's like batman's car it, there's something about it the only other car that ever came kind of close to was the audi a7 did a good job the original one when that came out first it just looked like batmobile and it looked very classy. But now, if you see them now, it hasn't aged well. Then you see the original one now, and you look at it and go, oh, God, it looks a bit rough. But at the time, it looked brilliant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Design in car industry terms, I suppose, design is, a, is a, a fleeting moment. Like anything else, cars have to be uh, classy. They have to be classless. They have to be cool. They have to look a sharp design. Uh, and then they have to be safe as well and have to be economical and have to do all the things that cars was to do as well as so they intrude into every pot, which is why car companies and watch companies put a car in the background of their shots. Or when you when you look at a, a car company's photograph, there's an airplane in the back of the shot. They, they're always trying to appeal to that that sex appeal element. They always try to get that point. And do you, do you think that the EV market, that's a difficult sale for them? Because I don't think an EV is as sexy for no. some of these, you know. It's about as sexy as a MacBook Pro, you know. It's, it's, it's not, they're not, they're not sexy. Although, um, a friend of ours picked up a Tesla Model 3 performance yesterday, mm. brand spanking, bought it for his birthday, and he is currently just flying about Belfast, enjoying, yeah. enjoying the extreme acceleration. That's one of those cars in three weeks' time, you see. On a cold, wet, windy Belfast morning, he'll get into that car and go, I don't want to do the accelerator. I'm sick of it. You know, that that wears off. That kind of, uh, it's like buying a, a new dishwasher. You know, you wash everything in a house twice because it's just so cool to do it. And then after a while, it becomes a chore again. It becomes a normal thing. So I think there's an element of electric cars are there to solve a problem. And if you go back in time, cars solve the problem of horses. Right. So cars saved horses from death because when horses were the taxis or the, the trucks or whatever, they were beaten to death. They were badly fed. They were skinny. They'd fall down the street or beaten some more. Knackers yards would take away and boil their feet up for glue and to be ground up for dog food. That was the life of a horse. Then motor cars came along and horses became race horses that were looked after and minded and greased up because they could run fast and all that sort of stuff. So I think electric cars are going to save our V8s. They're going to save our, our BMW 640Ds. They're going to save that because that was a moment in time. And we have mixed among those beautiful moments of absolute paradise in cars. We also have a Toyota Avensis or a Nissan Tida. We have those junks, those things that are just designed to get you to work and home again. And they're in the same breath. So that stuff needs to die. We're left with the classics and the electric cars. We'll continue doing their things and just getting us to work. 
where the tea day used to be. We're gonna we're gonna come back to EVs in a second, but there's there's something else just popped into my mind every time that I cross the border, and because there is a slight difference in vehicles between the north and south now. And part of that is, uh, but part of that is you're absolutely crippling VRT, yeah, which is just just uh, uh, mental. And uh, my my heart bleeds for you to think. And there's me with my. Uh, I was chatting to a guy at Mandelo with with the GR, and he's like, "How, oh, how much is uh, thirty three sterling?" And he's like, "He's like, well, they're like fifty thousand euro here by the time you add on the VRT." Fifty six like, grand, I think it is oh for, for oh sport version, yeah. Oh, <laughs> which, is, which is what I thirty three grand, thirty three and a half grand, or whatever is what what my car was with a circuit pack. So it would make it even with conversion rates, it would make it probably about forty grand here for the same car with the circuit pack. So That's you're mad. paying 15, 16, 17 grand in just plain tax. It's just it's just a tax man putting his hand in your pocket and taking money out of it. That's, that's all it's for. It literally is for an Irish license plate. We changed the law so you're required by law to have the license plate. And then we brought in a tax on the license plate. <laughs> so, so you have to pay the tax to get a license plate, but you have to have the license plate. So there is no way around this This insane law um you pay two kinds of vrt in ireland one is on a new car so you pay that to the dealership the dealership puts that in the bank account and pays it out to the revenue once a year um that's one to have a vrt the other one is on an import so if i go up to north and i buy a northern registered car bring it down here i go to the nct center they tell me what the settlement fee of a vrt is i pay that then i get an irish license plate and that's kind of the only two vrts and and then you have your your annual motor tax is much more expensive than ours as well <laughs> Far higher. Depend. We have two kinds as well. So we've one that's based solely on CO two emissions. So like an electric car would be one hundred and twenty euro a year for because there's no emissions. Amazingly, you still pay tax on a car. One hundred and twenty euro a year for no emissions. Yeah, for no emissions. Yeah, you still somehow or another manage to get a tax out of it, right? Yeah. And they call it a green tax. Like, it's like <laughs> I bought a green car. I still have to pay more tax on it. Uh, and then you can have the other end of the scale be like two and a half grand for the worst sort of high emissions cars. Uh, would be up there. But then if you go previous to 2008, that law changed in 2008 is based on, on uh, cubic capacity of the car. So a 1.6 litre petrol would, would be 500 euro a year uh, back in 2007, like my car. <laughs> so really high tax, penalty tax on older cars. It was done by uh, every 100 cc, wasn't it? So it was yeah. 1. 1. 1.6, 1.7, 1.8. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely... Crazy. tiny little increments but it meant a lot like the most cars sold before the tax change most cars now would have been two liters uh you would have got a two liter petrol two liter diesel maybe even a three liter diesel because the tax wasn't punitive people were able to afford it at the time once it went to co2 sales of cars fell off a cliff anything with high co2 died so like a bmw 5 series from 2007 to tax would have been about 700 pounds 700 euro uh, after 2007 or 2008 was a tax change went to CO2, it became 130 euro. So which one are you going to buy one year apart? Because they changed the CO2 emissions. Wow. <laughs> so the sales of the older cars just died instantly because the newer cars are much cheaper than tax. Unbelievable. And we've kept with this stupid ethos ever since because it makes money for revenue. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the tax on an EV. <laughs> just, I don't get that either. No, yeah. There's, a, there's an import duty. There's a VRT on EVs and there's a there's a road tax, motor tax, which is actually an environmental tax. So we don't even call it motor tax anymore. It's not a tax on your car. It's a tax on your environmental emissions. And yet EVs have to pay it. 120, 130, 120 a year, every year. Yeah, Because they know if they put it to zero, see it's zero in the UK, right? So if they put it to zero, they know everyone's going to buy an EV and no one's going to pay tax. And that's that's the rationale for so they want you to buy an EV, but they want you to pay tax on the EV. Yeah, so. yeah. 
It's well, I, I think that's probably have to, going to be the way it's going to have to go in the UK because they're allegedly stopping making petrol and diesels by 2030. So mm. we all have to be driving these EVs and the, there's going to be no road tax. And, I think and, that's insane, though. And, and the other thing is you can't get red electric. Exactly. So like, like uh, I don't know if you have, you know, is, is it a blue or a green diesel in the, in the south? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 you, yeah, can't yeah. Get, well, you can't get green electric, I suppose. I <laughs> get special electric. You get a solar yeah, yeah. panel attached to the roof of your car, drive yeah. around with it plugged in permanently, or a diesel generator in the boot, which is in America, <laughs> which is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Guy bought a Tesla and put a diesel generator in the boot. So when he runs out of electricity, he pulls it over, plugs it in, turns on the diesel generator. <laughs> <laughs> It's brilliant. Oh, it's it's, it's abs- absolutely mad. Another thing, and uh, that I noticed when I when I crossed the border, there is a fascination with saloon variants. So yeah, so uh, you guys don't seem to go for the hatchbacks, but why? So uh, so we have a Ford Focus hat- hatchback would be probably a, a big seller in the north, and then I go uh, then I go across the border. And it's a, it's a saloon it's, version. It's a saloon, and 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 you guys love saloons. There's saloons and it everywhere. It looks stupid, and everyone goes, "Wow, it looks stupid," but I'm going to buy it anyway. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, totally. I don't get it. Less. <laughs> <laughs> Give me yeah. a saloon. Ourselves in China are the two biggest consumers of saloons in the world. That's on thick per capita now. Not China obviously has much more population, but per capita, we used to buy or still buy more saloons in the world. It's moved now to CSUV. So you have that, that crossover small SUV yeah, thing yeah, yeah. going on right now, which is, yeah. they're not SUVs. They're hatchbacks with a big body on them, right? That's yeah, that's yeah. all that's after happening there. But people are buying those SUVs now in droves. But we used to sell far more saloon cars. Saloon was seen as a as a prime, as a sort of a premium version of a car. You, you bought a saloon because you had a little bit more money than the guy who bought an Austin Princess, you know, you went off and bought a bigger <laughs> MG or something. You went off and bought something a little bit bigger, a bit more saloon. Uh, and so it, it, it's kind of stuck around. The Avensis was a huge seller here. The Carina came in a saloon. They all came in a saloon, but most money came out in hatchbacks in the UK. So you go look into the used car market now, there's a flood of saloons, but they all came from Ireland. Yeah, um, unbelievable. Then there's some other good stories around uh, cars made in Ireland. We used to assemble cars here in this country uh, on this side of the border. Uh, Nace Road used to assemble basically every Datsun, uh, Mercedes, Fiat, uh, even Mitsubishi and other, other brands. They all were assembled here in Ireland. But the problem was, if you you were buying it from the dealer, so you, you go in, you order your Ford Escort, which would have been made down in Cork. You order the dealership, you buy the bottom range, the bottom end of that market, whatever the lowest grade Escort is, least amount of money. But because I knew Jimmy on the on the line down in the Ford Escort Ford plant, I'd ring Jimmy and he'd put in all the electric windows <laughs> <laughs> and all the leather seats and all the good shit to put onto the car. And I the car that's delivered to me would be nothing at all to do with the car that was ordered. Now that was a brilliant story. It was like legend at the time, but it's become true now because the, the used car market or the used car collectible vintage car market in the UK is now getting onto the vintage car groups over here in Ireland going, how come the logbook of this car says it's a G when it's turned out that it's an XLI? Like the car <laughs> does not match the logbook at all because the logbook is made by the dealership at the time. So it's it's still come back around now. It used to go on all the time. Put the, it put most of these companies out of business. That's hilarious. That's unbelievable. We get Jimmy to do a gear. Do me a quick gear. <laughs> Friday afternoon gear, Jimmy. <laughs> unbelievable. So to, to come full circle from 2018, when I asked you what car I should buy and didn't, I'm going to ask you again. <laughs> what car, if, if I should buy one, 
because I, I currently drive a, a 14 Tuareg and I right. drive up and down to Belfast to do about sort of 40 miles a day mm. and skinning me in diesel because it's a three liter V6 diesel. So I am thinking about replacing it with a mini EV. Ooh, short range. Yeah, to take on the daily duties. It is. The mini EV is the best handling EV you can buy. If you want something that actually handles really well, very sharp steering is really good to drive. Like it's an engaging thing to drive. Mini has it nailed because all the way it's on the bottom in the middle of the car. So it feels like a mid-engine sports car drive. But the range is really short. Yeah. So when you're having fun, the light comes on after a minute or two and suddenly you need electricity again. The benefit of having a smaller battery is that it's it, it's not quicker to charge up, but to get it to 100% charge takes less time. Right. So it, it really, you can you could charge it twice a day and it, you'll be doing fine. You charge it in work and then tra- charge it at home. You'd be grand. You get a couple of days out, but Mini is, is one of the better ones. But unfortunately, electric cars are quite expensive for if you well, compare them to petrol one. This was um, I was looking at it on lease, and it's about mm. it's about three hundred quid a month. Yeah, and I'm probably spending three hundred quid on diesel. Yeah, so well, you'll it, definitely it, save money. It, it would kind of work out, and then it would give me the money from selling the Tuareg to buy something like a V8, mm. like an M3 or something, and that won't do a lot of miles, so it can sit at the house. He's got a map. He's got it worked out. You don't even need to ask him for advice. He have all this planned out in your head. I'm just going to agree with you now. This is a good idea. He just needs some well, some well, some until, uh, validation. Pierre, yeah, well, Pierre until pressure. two weeks ago, I hadn't driven an M3. Has that? No. Any M3. Wow. Shit. Must be. What, how would you feel then after you drove the M3? You, you feel like, whoa, I want one of these. <laughs> I drove. I drove a black car, yellow E46. Yeah. Which is owned by a friend of ours who won it on a raffle for two pounds fifty. <laughs> His first and only raffle. I really hate that. The the raffles are unbelievable. (laughs) His his first and only, so we won that, and it was really good. And but you had to ring a snack to get it going early. It was only in for a short time. Mm. But then another friend of ours, he heard the the podcast and me complaining about never driving an AM car and thinking, went right. I have an AM4 competition. I don't need it for the weekend. Take it away. (laughs) And that it was the just the best weekend. Bye, darling. I'll see you in a few days. (laughs) It it was. It was fun. Fantastic. Full tank of super through it. Oh, Three yeah. days. It was the most fun I've ever had. Yeah. But it's still 45,000 quid. Mm, it's big money, yeah. Them. Well, it's more than that here at 70, 79,000 79, euro. Something yeah, well, a, a, new, a new one, a brand new one here is 80, 80k sterling uh, for, the, yep. for the new competition. Yeah. Pretty cheap. Nope. But you see, if you have it for a weekend car, so it depends what, what model you want to go for, but like any M car is cool. They've all got their ups and downsides. No matter which one you pick, you're always going to have someone going, no, the E63 was better, or the E60. There's always going to be an adverse thing. It's it's the smile on your face, and you definitely want a V8 engine. It's the smile on your face, though, when you plug it into sports mode and you put your foot down and that gurgle comes on behind you and suddenly you're going like the Millennium Falcon in Star Wars. You know, you're zooming on the road, and it's that just changes everything. That puts a smile on your face. And then an electric car as your daily, but you're buying something that it will give you a little bit of a laugh as well, you know, because it's got its yeah. own kind of quirks and weirdness and speed that it does. They're very, what I love, for some reason, women don't like me to say this, and it was very squirty, right? So that's a great word to describe <laughs> electric cars because one minute you're doing nothing, the next minute you little squirt on the pedal and boop, and you're gone, you disappeared like Pac-Man over the hill. 
that, like, that, that sounds yeah. fairly promising. Sporty. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I've done the man mas on it, so it, it, it kind of works out. Yeah, of course it does. Well, I like can rationalize not, this at some you're, point. You're not going to get any satisfaction out of your, your mini EV. Like, it, it, it is just a commodity purchase. It's, it's like it, Pete's it's, dishwasher. It's like a, yeah, it's like a mobile phone. It's your carbon right. offset. That's what it is. It, it's my carbon offset. That's it's your exactly carbon offset. Good. I'm offsetting my V8 by buying a little mini here. Look at I'm this. Offsetting my, offsetting my carbon. That, that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, i3 is worth a look as well when you're looking at those kind of cars. If you're looking at a secondhand i3, BMW i3, uh, it's the same platform, same underneath platform. Um, really good. If you Have you got kids? I don't know if you have kids or not. No, no. No, well, then you don't give a crap about the back doors. The back doors in the i3 open, open suicide style. They open backwards. Uh, but you have to open the front doors to open the back doors. So it's a pain when you've got kids, but if you've no kids, you don't care. But they're really squirty little fast things as well. And you pick them up reasonably priced now, secondhand, and uh, they're holding their value. Uh, they're a nice little car to drive around in. Ideally, it would be an Ionic 5, which you've got coming on the U bollocks. Yeah, so so why not? Uh, have, have you driven the Ionic 5 yet? I have. I hate them. Just oh, saying. Really? <laughs> <laughs> really? Why? Tell 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 me more. So, so uh, I do. Uh, I I still write blogs for for the RMS Motoring website, and so, and so I get now and again get things for uh, review. I had the i30M, uh, mm. which was good uh, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah great good. car. The new the new DCT, and then I've got the Ionic Five uh, coming, which is a Project Forty Five Special Edition one. They look awesome. Johnny Smith did a brilliant uh, review of one. Have you, yeah. have you, have you a video of... I haven't done a video review of it, no. I no. have driven it because Hyundai don't like me driving their cars because they said their Hyundai Ionic 4 was the worst electric car I'd ever driven. It's the first line of my video. The first lines I say out of my mouth is the Hyundai Ionic. <laughs> it's the worst electric car I've ever driven. Shooting from the hip. <laughs> yeah, because it was the last of its kind. Was the last, and I was right. I was right because it's gone. They dumped the whole car and brought out Hyundai Ionic 5, which is not even slightly related to 4. Not yeah. the totally different everything, right? Uh, because the Ionic 4 had, they put in more batteries to make it go further. And in doing so, they put some of the batteries under the driver's seat, which meant if you were tall, your hair was rubbing off the roof. No matter where you sit, you couldn't sit in any sort of reasonable way that would make sense to you. So it was horrible. It was long range, but I did say that afterwards. But because of the first line of the thing, I heard and stopped talking to me. <laughs> and so I've had to get a lend. When, when other journalists get the car, I take a loan of it from them while they have it. So no one knows what she does. So just to keep up to date what it's like. But I didn't do a video review. But no, it's not a bad car. The the I think looks wise, I think Kia are doing a better job on the look of the car than Hyundai. Yeah, uh, EV6, which, EV6, which yeah, I'm yeah. testing. I'm going out to Marbella in a couple of weeks to test that anyway. So um, I just think Kia do kind of cleverer things with the suspension and to do, I, I don't know whether Hyundai kind of do stuff and then go right here, you do whatever you want to do. And they don't talk to one another because the cars often come out very different, not just looks wise, just the way they handle yep. it. Even, even though they share so much, share yeah. a platform and share technology and share the drivetrain and share the batteries and all the rest, they, they still yeah. come up with a very different package. Yeah. Even the plants in Korea, like has Kia on one side and Hyundai on the other, it's the same plants, just two different roofs across mm-hmm. the things. And they share literally everything, but they don't seem to, at the last minute when the cars are coming into the country, they seem to do something different to the cars, make them seem different because last things they start out is, is suspension yet i've driven a kia and hyundai back to back the two same cars like a rio versus whatever the hyundai version of it and they feel entirely different when you're driving them around i, I think though the koreans are making excellent cars 
Yes, they are. And the Chinese will be not far behind them now. Yeah. I predict in the next five years, the Chinese car companies will literally take over the European market completely. There won't be a European manufacturer who won't feel the bite of a Chinese uh, yeah. car company. Or, or, or they'll have to get them manufactured out there. They'll have yeah. to move their manufacturing. Well, you sure you see Tesla building Teslas, you know, in fact, probably most of the major manufacturers build uh, Chinese. Mm. Uh, they had a law. They had a great law in China. You had to, if you want to sell cars in China, you have to build them in China. Yeah. So every car company in the world at one point put a factory out in China for a while and employed Chinese workers who stole all their steel, all their details and then built their own plant up the road and started building their own cars. Yeah. So which is why MG has come back. It's a completely Chinese owned company. Uh, Geely Motors is in the back of that's another Chinese company uh, Saab was bought out two years ago I told people five years ago to buy shares in Saab because it still exists that Saab would have to come back eventually uh, you couldn't leave a brand like that just, just wallow away and disappear two years ago a year and a half ago they were bought out by a Chinese company almost entirely they'll come back as an EV company in the next couple of years uh, if you want to buy shares now still buy it in Saab because no one really knows that no one's paying attention to that um, there's a company called Brilliance is after starting their plant in Germany, they're looking for a place to build over there. Tesla's moved their their uh, electric um, building plant into into uh, Germany, the, the big plant, but they're pulling all their lithium from China, so everything's coming from China. Um, so once the Chinese and Chinese don't do boots on the ground when they want to do innovation, they buy they buy the economy. So they buy into the economy, they take over the economy slowly but surely, and that's exactly what they're going to do in the next five to ten years within the European and UK and Ireland market, for sure, you're going to see more and more electric cars coming, like discounted to the last electric cars coming. You'll be able to buy an electric car for nothing. And so none of these big companies are out there right now that are making the dreamland stuff will be able to compete with that kind of price. Yeah, yeah. Although I'm not feeling any twinge of anticipation for any MG product. No, <laughs> and I had, I had a I had the MG thing for for six months. We had a, a T, an MG outside the door, and honest to God, I was supposed to drive it like every week and report back of how much kilometers we put on and and how often we plugged it in and stuff. I after a week of it, I was like, I've enough of this car. I can't. Why would you want to drive? <laughs> there is no desire. It's just a big car with a battery in the bottom. It's like, God, it's so wallowy and weird. And then the longer we drove it, the more it started to creak and groan and made weird noises coming off speed bumps. It just can't cope with its own weight. Like electric cars are much heavier than a petrol power yeah. car. Much heavier. Yeah, but I, and I suppose I, I could totally understand what you're saying about China because you look, look at... Uh, the Korean manufacturers twenty years ago to where they are now, and yeah. they're you know, and they're they're at the top of their game. I you know they're they're probably second only to Tesla for yeah. uh, mass manufacture of electric vehicles that are really really good. Like I've I've driven the Kona, the Kona EV. It's, yeah. it's a superb car. car that, you know? um, that EV6 GT that's due out October twenty twenty two. It's going to be incredible. It's like five hundred horsepower, cracking cars. Yeah, really good. And in Southeast Asia, like Hyundai Group has a bottomless pit of money to take on anybody to want like the, yeah. the the breadth and depth of their product range not just cars they do heavy plant machinery yeah they do fridges they do washing machines air conditioning systems they do all that stuff so they have a lot of money to fire at the ev thing uh, and like a few years ago again five or six years ago I, I said to everybody that Hyundai will be the king, the Hyundai group and Kia with them will be the king of the EV segment because they have the money to plow into their own battery technology. And now they're talking to Apple to make cars. They're talking about Google making cars. They're all looking at that group because they have the edge over everybody else. Volkswagen were caught with their trousers on the ankles, 100% with the EV stuff. They weren't ready for that. Neither was, was Mercedes maybe a little bit more prepared, but BMW still 
still have only just launched their first electric car in the last two weeks. Like it's crazy how far behind the, the, the Germans and the European manufacturers have been on this electric car front. Well, it's, it's interesting, actually, when you mention uh, about uh, Geely, who own Volvo. They also yeah. own uh, Lotus, which I've, I've had a couple of Lotuses, and I have a Lotus Amira on order. But yeah. I think Lotus just announced, was it yesterday or today, a new their new electric platform, which is going to be like the, at least it's going to be a small two-seater. The platform's going to think it's going to be two, only two-thirds of the weight of the Amira to hold the, and it's going to be probably low range, but trying to keep the weight down. It's, it's going to be mid-engine, mid battery i don't know what you call it the batteries aren't in the yeah. floor it's not a skateboard it's like cylindrical batteries behind the uh behind the driver which i when they say cylindrical batteries i just imagine like two large duracell tubular duracell yeah 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 back to back yeah double yeah. d cells yeah, Go. yeah. <laughs> big set of double d's in the back seat fantastic big torch batteries an old-fashioned torch just get the big <laughs> batteries out of the torch oh yeah the big square batteries with the big springs at the top <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what i'm thinking myself actually but you can imagine if they had like three chassis and you could change the bodies on the chassis so you had a little sports chassis which is quite short mid-engine type you got a kind of mid-range family hatchback and then you have a larger like suv style chassis and you just choose the, the lid to put on it you decide yeah. how it looks on the outside which model you want to that's what i think that's what volkswagen are asked that's really what they're going for um, but in the middle of all this is a jobs crisis. In the middle of all this, Volkswagen are cutting 18,000 jobs because they don't need all these diesel manufacturers and petrol suppliers. And there's tons and tons of jobs that are just going to fall by the wayside. And is that because of uh, like in-country manufacturing? So the manufacturing for diesel, say, for example, for Volkswagen was was in Germany. And now it's going to be, you know, they just buy the powertrains hmm. in from China or... Yeah, essentially, it- yeah. They're just getting rid of... All that talent will fall away. It'll go back to being in places where you do secondhand repairs and stuff. But for the actual cutting edge of what the Germans are looking at right now, diesel is very far down the list. Um even though when you go to Germany, there's not that many electric cars on the road. I was only over there. I was in Frankfurt three, four weeks ago. I didn't see. The only car I seen was a couple of Teslas and maybe one ID3. Uh, but other than that, I didn't see everything was diesel after that because Germany is just a big, fast country. But the Green Party have got to Germany recently. So uh, the Green Party want to shut down the Autobahn section so there's no high-speed areas in them anymore. It's properly restricted speed. And they want to incentivize the sale of EV. So even Germany now is going to feel the pressure of this of the EV changeover. Um, it's I think amazing. It's, it, it's, it's amazing though that you know the likes of uh, Dieselgate probably accelerated the whole EV yeah. thing as well. You know, and Volkswagen were the only ones that got caught. They were all at it. Yeah. They were all manipulating mm-hmm. EV or diesel engines and, and the emissions and the NOx emissions out of it. Uh, but Volkswagen one that took the took to blame for the whole lot and just went, yeah, of course we were killing sheep and in in cells as well, you know, <laughs> poisoning sheep, see what the NOx would do to them. And they got caught doing all kinds of things then as they were looked at. So now they have to be the cleanest boy in the market. You know, they have to clean the whole system up, but they also have the responsibility of a fleet that's already out there that's petrol and diesel. Tons and tons and millions and millions of cars that are out there doing it, still being manufactured in Mexico, still being manufactured all over the world uh, for Volkswagen that are coming out of diesel and petrols. They're just being good boys. And like they all are in Europe at the moment. Uh, but I, I don't think the solution is not necessarily 100% electric. I think there's there's a hybrid solution in the middle of all that that's going to make everything a little bit easier uh, to change over. I think putting all our eggs into the basket of electric without really determining the lifespan of batteries, the recycling capacity, the, 
uh, where they're going to be in 15 or 20 years from now, what we're going to do with all these cars. Do we just dump them all in the ocean and start again with something? Mm-hmm. Will it be hydrogen in five years' time? Yeah. You need to have a more gradual, um, progressive look at things instead of what we're doing right now, which is the, always the urgency. It's always like, let's get rid of them all by 2030. Right, forget about it. That's it. We're done. Job's finished. Let's just rub our hands there now. We're finished with that. doesn't work, you know? Yeah, that's... Uh... It's changed, changed times. And look at the moment at the, I don't know what the price of fuel is like in, in the South, but, but up at the, Heartbreaking. Up, yeah, it's, it's frightening up here. It's 142, 143 a liter for diesel up here. So what's that translate to like 170 something? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. You're probably more expensive now than petrol diesel than we are. I suppose we're about 160 euro for a liter of petrol. Mm-hmm. Uh, diesel would be 149 i'd say 149.9 to 150 you'd say uh, in diesel but um we have always had slightly cheaper petrol and diesel than you guys and it's, i don't know why that's always been that way i just it's always seems to be around that i've also noticed often in in place in england that the petrol and diesel are exactly the same price uh, yeah. when you're driving around it's kind of weird that they have them it's weird to see when you look at the same price down on the list for both petrol and diesel because you're you're used to seeing such a difference because diesel is just generally cheaper. Is that because there's less tax? Diesel's on diesel? always been cheaper. Yeah, diesel just we incentivize diesel here, even though, on the one hand, our minister for transport is the, is the, the, the a member of the Green Party, like he's the leader of the Green Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, you can claim the VAT back on your purchase of diesel uh, at the pumps if you're a business. You can claim the VAT back off the price of a van if you buy a van if it's diesel. So we still encourage diesels a lot. And we make diesels a little bit less cheaper, a little bit more affordable at the, at the pumps as well by just changing the way the import duty works on it. Um, so we still incentivize diesel 100%, but you can't do any of that with electric. So we're so far behind. We're trying to put more electric cars in the road, but we've done no incentives, essentially, apart from just discounting the VAT off what, or the, the VRT off. What's the infrastructure like? Because I don't think we have uh, much in the way of superchargers. I think you've some Tesla, like for example, Tesla superchargers. But what if, you, if you're testing an, an EV, are you thinking, oh, shit, I'm, I'm going to get ZapMap out here and half of these chargers are going to be in use or broken yep. or... Yeah, has happened to me already. I had a what I would consider to be the best electric car you buy at the moment, which is the Skoda Enyaq. Yep, uh, I think it's a oh, phenomenal yeah. machine. Just a gorgeous looking thing. Works really well. Electric charge is pretty good in them. They do about maybe four hundred kilometers. But I decided to test one during the shooting summer, so I put a trailer on it. <laughs> First thing you do, of course, electric cars get a tow hitch. Put a trailer on it. Uh, so I rang uh, um, Skoda and said, "This can." It says in the manual it can tow a thousand kgs. And I go, yeah, I can. Have you got one with a tow bar on it? <laughs> so they gave me one with a tow bar. So I got a little camper van thing. Um, I call it a dog box, but it's like a, it's like a little two sleeper camper van, tiny okay. thing. Yeah, it's four hundred and fifty kgs. Put it on the back of the Scotty and I can took off driving. It's fine until you electric cars are okay when you have your home charger. Once you go into the infrastructure level, that's where the whole thing collapses. You're at the you're at the behest of whatever the charger is. So you aim for this charger. You hope it's going to charge up. There's going to be a fast charger. You get there and you find out it's a 22 kilowatt, which isn't bad. Then you realize your car only charges at eight and a half kilowatts. That means you're going to be stuck there for nine hours on charging your car. So it's it's the infrastructure is all, it's not the cars anymore. The cars were used to be the problem. Like the original Nissan Leaf would basically do 90 to 100 kilometers with a tailwind downhill, maybe. Um, now we have the range in the cars, but now when you get to the other destination, you're going to be stuck there for a while unless it's a fast charger. And even the car companies say you're not supposed to fast charge your car every charge. So you can't just keep fast charging it all the time. It harms the battery over time. 
so there's all kinds of I suppose it's a little bit of bait and switch stuff going on a little bit of hoodwinkery or you know uh, kind of oh it'll all be okay in the end but actually when you do use and I've used many electric cars it's still there's a fierce frustration with infrastructure uh, and the further west you go in this country the worse that infrastructure becomes yeah yeah, well, if, if, if they're trying to get everything sort of by 2030, we're nearly into 2022. Eight mm-hmm. years ain't going to do it. No, no. How do you get, uh, like, where do you, how do you get someone who has a one liter Nissan Micra and they live in the countryside, they drive into town once a week in their little Nissan Micra, they, they service it once a year, it gets an NCT once every two years. How do you get them out of their 300 or 500 euro car into a 50,000 euro new electric car? Uh, how does that take place i i just can't i just can't uh reconcile it like the the only way that people generally can afford evs at the moment is by lease because Mm. the the actual buying cost of them is extortionate the depreciation on them is is also extortionate because they go down in huge depending on battery technology so if battery technology changes in the year you bought your ev it's worth less next year because it won't go as far as its next generation yeah. And if you look back at every generation, it almost doubles. Every one of them. The first Nissan Leaf went about 80 to 100 kilometers. The second Nissan Leaf went 250. So just about doubled. Yeah, then the yeah. third generation can do nearly 400. So every time it doubles with new generations. So now Nissan say the first generation Nissan Leaf is no longer supported. We're not making software for it. We're not going to help you anymore. That's it. You're done. That car is less than 10 years old. Yeah. And Nissan has already just washed his hands. <laughs> That's good luck now. <laughs> Enjoy your Leaf. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Enjoy your future technology. Make like a tree. And yeah. And fuck fix off. yourself now. <laughs> Make like a tree and fuck off. Is exactly, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Don't call us. We'll call you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all real. That's going to happen for every. That's I, I predict that would happen with all software. Look what Apple's done with all of their stuff, and and Sony and every other company has made a made a phone of any kind. Eventually, stop supporting the older models. They're just going. No, we're not doing any more with that. Forget it. You're on your own. Uh, that happened. Now that's happened with a car. We've a huge thread on the forum about uh, what we call bangernomics. You know, you oh, buy something. Brilliant. I love bangernomics. Yeah, God, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just the science, like. Yeah, it's, it's it's funny you mentioned uh, something like Saab. Like you get like a nice old Saab nine three. Mm. You know, like a fifteen year old Saab nine three with a hundred and fifty or two hundred k on it, and yeah. it will do the same again. You know, Good, yeah, yeah, no you know, yeah. But but what we're talking about now that that just becomes a thing of the past because. The, the the fuel will be taxed through the roof, and uh, yep. the only the only option will be to go electric. But but why? Yes, why would someone want to spend? Well, I could get away with a thousand pound a year and, and two hundred pound a year of servicing. Yeah, to go, to go and start spending even five hundred quid a month on a lease, which they're like yeah. And then if you look at like owners clubs and stuff of you know, people who are who are EV evangelists, people who already know about EVs and they understand it and they, they're they're pushing it because they it's that moment of. I like it, so I'm going to make you like it. You know, that's that's the way EVs work. So people who want to know about EVs go to the EV Owners Club, but they're already converted. They're never going to tell you the downside of it. Yeah. <laughs> they're only going to see the good side of it. So the people who need to talk to the journalists are not doing the work they're not talking about. I have a, 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 a Mercedes 350DE outside. So that's a plug-in hybrid diesel. Yep. Very rare now. Very expensive, but very rare. Um, and I opened a boot today to charge it in the local charge point up to town. I wanted to test the infrastructure. And all of the charge cables, this has been on the fleet for three months now, all of the charge cables in the boot that Mercedes are, is still in the perfect wrappers. Yeah. So no journalist who's had the car before me has charged it on a public charge point using those cables. 
So if they're not testing it, what's going to happen out there when, you know, the journalists are going, the diesel, brilliant. All they're doing is driving around as a diesel hybrid. They're not charging it up and using it. Well, that's like uh, uh, company cars. So the, the, the law is changing here, you know, for your company car tax. If you get a hybrid, it's, it's less company car tax. Yeah. And 90 something percent of the fleet vehicles that were handed back had had the cables in the wrapper. Forget forget that shite. We don't we don't care about that. We just want something that can put fuel into it There's in two, two minutes fuel and caps? What's the second fuel cap? Yeah. What's that do? I never opened that. I never looked in there. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. This is put splashing dash. The socket, like, the socket's dripping in diesel. It's all dribbles out in mold and diesel and smell of diesel. Damn, went the wrong side. But it, like we're throwing it, we're throwing away a very, very efficient combustion engine that has solved all our problems for the last 120, 130 years. Combustion engines done everything. Before that, it was steam engines. We started with electric cars. But there is there is a, a balance that needs to be found because we're, as motorists, we've been penalized individually for having a combustion engine. But jet planes, the reason that Ryanair has a fleet in Ireland, the reason Aer Lingus flies from here or not, is because they don't pay tax on aviation fuel. It, there's no tax. It's tax free for them. So they buy all their fuel in Ireland. But that aviation fuel is kerosene and they burn it at 10,000 litres a trip. Right. <laughs> From here to Barcelona is 10,000 litres of aviation fuel and then 10,000 to come home. And that's one plane, one journey. That's crazy. We get nowhere near that, but they're not penalised for doing that because they're aviation. They have a lot of power and stuff. Uh, shipping industry uses a thing called bunker oil, really low grade crap diesel oil that you wouldn't use for anything to do with your car. They use that for shipping. And what they do is turn on these weird scrubber things. They're, they're carbon scrubbers. So when they're near the shore, they don't appear to be emitting a whole lot. When they get away from the shore, they turn off the scrubbers and let all the CO2 out, which is the worst kind of real dark knock CO2 stuff. Yeah, They're not penalized. They can buy that stuff anywhere on earth at tax-free rates. And yet our individual mode, just getting my little 14-year-old say it laying off the road, somehow saving the environment. We need to look on a global scale, on a grand scale at this sort of problem and start with the big issues and then work our way down to the individual and how we can do that instead of taxing the, each individual motors for the little tiny pleasure they have in life of starting a petrol engine just driving on the road for 15 minutes. We're the easy target, aren't we? We are, because we take it, because we take it, because we yeah. don't get, because the union for aviation will come out and go, you know what, we're lobbyists, we pay a lot of money to be here. Whereas the individual kind of feels a little bit more helpless sort of. And then we have a protest, we march on Leinster House or we go to whatever whatever political uh, realm we want to and we make our voices heard and we, we make no difference. They just ignore us because we don't unionize. There is no union of motorists. There's no kind of gathering of individuals who would get together and represent us on a bigger scale. And if you mention it, everybody wants into it. But if you actually created it, I'm not sure how much of a backing you get. But if we created a union of motorists, you would change the world overnight. Yeah, and, and that's where the likes of uh, back to diesel, back to diesel gate. That's where that's things like that killed it. It went the other way. The things yeah. swung the other way, and mm. they said, "Well, look, look at look at the, you guys are are cheating and all the rest." And and then it made it easy for yeah. all these sweeping reforms to come in about uh, about going electric and all the rest. But it was, but yeah, but we'll end up um, the the manufacturers aren't going to pay for it. They're, they're saying, "Well, the average price of a, a hatchback used to be twenty grand. It's now thirty eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suck it's it up, price guys. Is crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're paying the fines. All yeah. the people who buy new cars are paying the fines that they're all 
got the yeah, five million. Yeah, and, a million yeah. in fines. We'll just make cars five grand more expensive than they were last year. It's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. Okay. See, the, see, this, back. see this Golf 8? We'll put an absolutely shit interior into it and put another 10 grand <laughs> on the price. Put these yeah. crappy, shiny plastic things all yeah, over yeah. the place and go, right, yeah. that's it. This is an improvement. It's going to be good for your haptic feedback in your fingers. You'll feel better in life. Light a candle. It'll be all okay. It's it's There's a wildness right now that everybody, like even when you think of what Dieselgate was, was the, the diesel cars going into the United States cannot emit NOx, and they got caught not emitting it, but they got caught by cheating to get it in there. But we didn't have the rule over here; it made the difference here. We we were allowing we were allowing NOx all along. Just suddenly we went, wait, no, what's this NOx stuff that everybody's talking about? Yeah, yeah, and suddenly yeah. Europe goes, my God, that kills children. Let's get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But everything emits NOx, like anything that combusts emits it. So we're driving people into petrol cars. Uh, petrol cars emit more CO2, but we want to get rid of CO2 as well. So we have a problem with CO2 and NOx is the two problems. So let's take everybody out of low CO2 cars, diesels, and put them into high CO2 cars, petrol, and then put in a diesel, a petrol particulate filter because petrol also emits NOx. <laughs> so, yeah. okay. so it's this roundabout way of getting us into electric cars that doesn't make a lot of sense I think in 10 years or 15 years time we're going to go back to days of where we were before because nothing there's nothing more reassuring than jumping into your 640D on a full tank of diesel turn on the key look at your range meter and it says 1200 kilometers empty like and when, at that 1200 kilometer mark you just go splash into another 1200 kilometers five minutes later like it just 10 seconds yeah. and you're okay. You're going again. Like a Formula One pit stop on Cannonball. <laughs> Turn up, go. And that's, the, we're, we're going we're gonna to miss that. I, lo- I love the thought of someone rolling into a VW dealership in the States saying, oh yeah, it's the, it's the new VW GTI. Oh, awesome. Uh, no knocks, no knocks. Perfect. And they get in and say, well, my Glock fit in the, in the glove box. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Where's the gun holder? <laughs> I'm telling you, I have it sussed. If you drive a mini EV, you can have an E92 M3. Exactly. You see? There, there you go. This is how you work things out. You run, In your head, you go, I'm going to drive a very low CO2 emission car that has a really short range. And I'm still going to look cool. And on the weekend, I'm going to look super cool because I can I can always put a sticker on the side going, I re- my main car is a mini. <laughs> <laughs> on the side of <laughs> I don't kill polar bears all the time. Yeah, not all the yeah. time. Just Older sometimes, bit, just, on the I, weekend. I just club seals <laughs> in the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> but I sound awesome doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The grumble of a V8 as the little seal dies. Look, at, 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 uh, you're, you were mentioning earlier on, because we sometimes talk about some of the news, some of the things that are, that are going on up, on up here with the podcast. And uh, you, you guys down there have uh, two-year NCTs. Yeah. And there's a consultation at the moment to see if our uh, equivalent MOT uh, should move to two years and uh, partially this is to release the pressure that our MOT centres have been under so the, the, so we have government centres, uh, annual testing COVID came, they closed the centres down enormous backlog so they, they just give and the, just the give, ramps as well the ramps just, are all broken that's we right. had so, all the ramps broken as well, yeah, it must be the same company yeah, yeah, yeah. I, haven't had a, I haven't had an MOT in my Tuareg since 2019 and I don't have one until January 2022 I, I just, I just <laughs> now have, it. I have just, no they concept. just keep it 
they just keep extending it. That's oh, because you keep buying new cars, aren't they? Well, that's true. I, I, yeah, that is a problem. But uh, that's a separate issue. <laughs> that's his habit. That's his whole house. He's, he's in there right now. That's it. Sold fucking everything. I just bought new cars. Yeah, he just bought new everything. But yeah, so the, there's this whole consultation because the, 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 the ramp, the, the debacle was a frigging nightmare. And then, of course, that closed the centres down for a while. And then COVID closed it down. But um, but I don't know. I am. I do think that if we went to two year test, people we'd have more people with bald tires and not working mm. lights, and you know, uh, people wouldn't care because the ordinary motorist would say, "We'll just we'll just get away with it. I'll only service it every two years instead of every yeah. one year." And uh, I don't know. It's going to be a strange. I think our NCT is every two years until the car is ten years old. Then it's every year. Um. Unfortunately, NCT is kind of behind the ball. I think MOT is as well because cars are changing very quickly with, with EVs and zero emission stuff. You can't test the CO2 emissions on an EV car. Like it's quite hard to test anything. You know, there's so many things. You, we haven't got to that issue. Like the NCT is not ready for that yet. There's just things an NCT can't test on modern cars that make no sense. Um, like they couldn't test Prius for a long time because you can't rev. When a Prius is in park, it won't rev. The engine won't come on. It'll just be a battery car. <laughs> so the, the the Prius got a free pass on the CO2 emissions because you can't do it with it. Yeah. That's why Prius became really popular because it couldn't fail a CO2 emissions test because you can't test it anyway. Yeah. So uh, it made no sense to have, uh, like, the way NCT works, it, it did keep certain things off the road. Like, it did stop the 80s kind of bald tires mixing radials with you know the old kind of yeah. broken shock absorbers and my brother had a hillman hunter you could see the ground through the floor and yeah. driving along. you could actually see the road as it passed by rain would come up under the floor of the car because it was coming through from underneath <laughs> they were rotten cars my uh, my other brother had a renault 19 which yeah. when you turned left the door would open the passenger door would just <laughs> wide open and it had no seatbelts so it's like you just fall out in the middle of the road although, although a Renault 1916 valve was a, was a great uh, hooligan of a vehicle oh yeah those yeah. old cars were though the really old Renaults were brilliant stupid suspension but they were brilliant cars my father had two Renault 12s same colour um prosthetic limb beige both of them uh, <laughs> he went off he, he went off at one one day and came back and he said well, I bought a new car we all went outside it was the same colour <laughs> where's the car he, going, he was so angry about that because it, it just looked the same car to us but the him was a new car but it was properly like prosthetic limb beige that beige colour that used to get the old prosthetic limbs in <laughs> like, like, like yeah, hearing yeah. you be yeah, 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 and it creaked. All it was all baked like plastic, you know, a horrible plastic stuff. So every time you put your hand on something, it was like creaky sound run corners. Horrible cars, but now they're collectors' items because they all rusted into pieces. We're 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 flipping, getting it up the ass at the moment with between the petrol, MOTs, uh, the price of secondhand cars. I presume it's the same in in the south. The secondhand cars, uh, it's just ridiculous, extortionate, yeah, and going up, going up, not not going down. Like you can get more money for a car you may have bought. Two years ago, for twenty grand, you probably get twenty five for it now because just so few of them in the market, you know. Yeah, yeah. So no, because we're stuck in this little part of the world. We're stuck all on the same side of the road and on the same side of the car, but everywhere else in Europe drives on the other side of the road and the other side of the car. So we can't just tip over there to Spain and import fifty hatchbacks because they're all the wrong way around. Yeah, <laughs> we need to change the side of the road we drive on. This solves all the problems. If we all drove on the other side of the road, we can import cars from Europe. In the story, everything goes down in price. I have yeah. the fucking solution to everything, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> just, just like that. You, you thought about this clearly, Bob. That's it. It would only take two weeks. 
All you have to do is stay home for about two weeks after we change the side of the road. Then the man lads would all be dead. They would just go out there. Done. The crashes would have all happened. The head-on collisions all would have sorted out all of the dead people out there. Then the rest would go to the road and go, that's grand. And now I know I'm going to be driving on that side of the road. Do you know, do you know what? I, I can imagine... Uh, they would never agree because the storming up here can never agree on anything. So, so you, <laughs> so you, so you guys would drive on the right, we would drive on the left, and then at the border we would have this amazing, uh, like overpass and underpass for the you know, <laughs> like potluck. You know, let's hope I take the right overpass here. To yeah, go. yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Just yeah that one. would be true. Never agree on anything, anyway. No, totally. No, uh, that's politics, doesn't it? The, the, the people of Ireland can agree on all kinds <laughs> yeah, of things. Yeah. But when you elect them into some sort of parliamentary position, it's like, no, I'm not going to talk to that side anymore. Well, well, well speaking of our wonderful government, we've uh, another thing that a great initiative have had recently is this uh, high street voucher. Have you applied for your 100 quid yet? <laughs> no, we're not getting yes. that down there. They wouldn't get those. <laughs> you've, you've, you've applied for it, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so of, of course, then the, uh, it was even funny the way they did this. They built this website where you could have had, had to apply for it and uh, they opened it during the week. And of course, immediately crashed. <laughs> it opened on Monday and a million people applied on Monday and, and crashed. And, and, and like it was, it was a really uh, highly complex website. It was, please enter your email address and press a button and then it sent you an email. And that oh was the website God. that crashed. <laughs> Jesus. Terrible. But but a hundred. Everybody quid, booked think, a holiday all at the same time at a hundred. Yeah, hundred pound out the holiday. Jeez, you can go for you can go nowhere for a hundred quid at the moment. No. Oh, like see the price of hotels and as, as what you're saying about the cannonball and all the rest. Like you pay three or four hundred quid a night for for a really nice hotel. It was it's, it's, yeah. Uh, I worked out. Uh, I did a TikTok on it. I worked out um, that I could go on holiday to Marbella for five days cheaper than I could go on holiday to Waterford for three nights with the kids. That's mad. It was crazy money, like it, and that included flights and everything. It was just, and everybody came on and go, yeah, but they get paid less in Marbella. And I go, I don't care because I don't get paid less. <laughs> I just like going cheaper. What's this, this got to do with me? I'm not going to live there. <laughs> I'm not going over to live there and buy bread and stuff. I want to yeah. go and stay in a hotel. <laughs> but they're on less than minimum wage. That's their problem. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's yeah, less than our minimum wage. Yeah. Their minimum wage is fine. Yeah, it's fine for them over there. They have sun, though. Yeah, they do have sun. Yeah. With the rain started here, started to get cold. Had to order heating oil today. No, it's a terrible. I was out filming today up in car store, uh, shooting some films on it. I was doing a Golf R versus a VRS diesel versus a GTD. All basically the same car, but a Golf R with four-wheel drive. Which one would be more affordable to run? It's, it's a funny video. But uh, I was standing there in my in my little car store jacket thing, and a breeze came and I went, my God, that was a cold breeze. What? Where? Where did the sun? It's sunny and now it's cold as well. Yeah, this is crazy. This time this of year is, is weird. This is the start of it. This is the start of it. Yeah, yeah. It's time to get the uh, get the fire lit. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, I know. I hate that point though. I love. I actually love Christmas. I love that point of that that part of the year where it becomes decorations. Everybody's humor goes up a little bit. A little bit of stress comes into life, but uh, the rest is good. But I don't like this bit. We're in. We're in a no man's land now. It's neither summer nor autumn nor winter. It's not quite anything yet. Yeah, we haven't decided. Yeah. You don't know what's going to be was... from one day to, to the next. And I'm I'm looking forward to a bit of bit of snow, and that's probably going to be six months away to get the get everything switched off in this Yaris and and do the full uh, Tommy Magan and stuff. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't not. do what I did last year, which was lockdown during the lockdown. It started to get cold, so I, I turned on all the rads in the house to get the because it was properly cold. You know, 
And then like a week later, there was a heat wave. <laughs> it was like an Indian summer camp. <laughs> I had to turn all the radiators Just off. Just get melted. <laughs> Woke up in the morning like, my God, I'm roasting. <laughs> uh, my off. wife looking at the thermostat there the other day. Oh, <laughs> having a wee glance at it. Look, looking at the up button. Pushing <laughs> 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 towards boost. Yeah. I, I have a solution to that. It's called woolly socks. What you do is just yeah. go out and buy a pair of woolly socks. You out of nowhere, just walk in, hand it to her, and go. There you go, and there's a little present for you now. <laughs> and then just leave, just leave the puddings alone. Can I come and stay I have with you to buy Christmas? an M three. <laughs> I need the money. I need an M three. I'm sorry, you have to put yeah, socks I mean, on. MP M three well, and a pair of socks and a, and a mini. M3, put that on the shopping list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here you can use your hundred quid voucher. I was going to say, well, what I was going to say is, you can now you, you can't use that hundred quid voucher online, but you can use it anywhere. In person, Craig, you're going to say use it to go and buy trainers. Good chance, yeah. But I, I really think you should use it to go and buy car parts. Actually, what I'm going to use it to buy is a new pair of the best slippers in the world, which are North Face mules. Wow, look at them. It's like complicated slippers. In, in the world, they've got a rubber sole on them, so you can go outside. How, right, these are very Very-ish. fancy looking. How, how much are these North Face slippers? They're like 50 quid. 50 quid for a pair of slippers? I have so a the very best. important question. Do you wear socks with your slippers or not? Uh, yeah, well, it depends. Oh, I knew to be it depends in the door. Go on, explain. First, first thing in the morning, no, straight out of bed, slippers on. When I come home in the evening, I don't take my socks off, keep the socks on, straight into the slippers again. Right, what not, you want, do, you, do you wear slippers at all? No. I, it's like I, a dirty question. Oh, you know, no, no, I, I do. Uh, general, generally unsocked. 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 Your slippers not get really smelly really quickly, though. No, yeah. no, no. Craig's very clean. <laughs> well, do you know? Do you, yeah, do you know what? It's just again, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's just whenever, whenever, uh, if you're wearing socks at the time, you're not wearing socks at the time. Just need something to put the feet on. Now yeah. the question is, question is, Craig, because they're North Face slippers, do we see you down the local spa wearing them? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I have a fancier pair. Of camouflage, <laughs> of, of camouflage boot ones that I sometimes go. You have a weekend some special occasions pair there. <laughs> camouflage been, boot slippers. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! There have been there's been the odd occasion where I've been uh, at the the local spa in the car and I've pulled up outside and I've just gone to get outside and I've glanced out at my feet and gone, oh shit! Just look up the slippers on. Fuck <laughs> it. Then I'm, he goes, oh shit! Yet, I still have my pajamas on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not going home to change, so let's just crack on. <laughs> May I last down the bottom? <laughs> uh, I'll have M3 pajamas. Yeah, yeah. I'll Little BMWs all along the leg. I'll go full BMW wanker. I'll have everything off the bottom. Cap, jacket, polo. <laughs> and a little tattoo right here, BMW. Yeah. <laughs> An EV one here. <laughs> yeah, a little, uh, a little lightning <laughs> bolt on your unreal unreal i i had a brilliant now when you were at cannibal i had a brilliant day down at modello i love that circuit it is absolutely first class it was the first time i had the yara site on uh on track and it was it was absolutely epic did you well the yaris gr now dances like it's made for, nearly made for Mondello. it's a handling you know it's a it's a handling circuit yeah technical With, circuit. The, yeah. the straights are quite short but there's a there's corners in it that I still, every time I go, even lap to lap, I still can't get the corner right. I get it right once. I go, wow, right. I know the angle I'm on. Next yeah. time around, a different angle. <laughs> yeah. It's because, yeah, there's so, there's so many, uh, 
streets because actually la- the week before last I was I was at Kirkiston and I've, I've driven Kirkiston a lot and Kirkiston's great because it's it's local and it's fast and all the rest but it's flat and there's a there's a low number of corners compared to uh Mandel have you been to Mandelo Craig yeah. sure you have Craig uh, I was at a show uh, about 2002 all right there there was no drive that was it's another stupid shit. whereas mandelo has hills and cambers and uh really technical sections and there's maybe there must be it was there 14 or 15 corners at mandelo that's a great yeah 15 yeah yeah it's a great um it's a great spot so it is now a great uh great fun in the yaris it's it is a great great track car it's i took it to kirkston as well but it doesn't have uh it's it's a because there's a big long couple of big long straights uh, something with a bit of power is going to pass you. Whereas Mandela is a different story because there's so many corners, you've so many opportunities to catch up and and uh, and pass things. But there's really fast cars that get left for dead in Mandela by small little handling things. Yeah, yeah, like Lamborghinis or even Nissan GTR around around Mandela's is a handful. It's just such a big car, yeah. like it's a huge car. So a smaller little fast thing like your your GR would do much more damage there. It's a great crack. Modelo is definitely the sort of place as well. If if there's someone who's a veteran of the place who's mm. been who's driven there 30, 40, 50 times, they're they're going to be the, whatever they drive, they're going to be the one of the quickest people there because because they're going to know the place like the back of their hand. Because yeah, the the more you learn it, the more it gives back. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. Do, do the manufacturers send you on many track days, or do you get out on track much with bits yeah. and pieces? A lot of them do. A lot of them go through. So when they, when they want to give you high powered cars, obviously like BMW would. They just won't hand out an M4 to someone who's going to wrap it around a pole somewhere because that's what usually happens. You, you know, you get a, a young guy who's enthusiastic and and suddenly he's driving a, a very high-powered 550 to 700 horsepower car, depending on what you're talking about. So, like the Audi RS7, 700 horsepower. Like, it's a huge monster of a thing that's going. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of manufacturers, particularly early on, used to bring us over to places uh, in Germany and like skid pans and and kind of off camber things and just handling courses, just let you loose on them uh, and give you a good idea. Even Skoda brought us up to Finland and brought us onto a snow track over a lake, awesome. which is the hardest thing I've ever had to drive in my life. I've never, you've no point of reference. You don't know where the corner is. It's all yeah. white. Like, it's not like, it's not like there's a little rumble strip there to give you an idea of where this corner goes. It's just white with some trees sticking out of it. And that's, that's all you get to see. So that was amazing. But I did get to drive with an ex-Formula 1 driver, Han Stuck. He drove us around the same track that I was thinking I was a great boy on. Oh, this is lovely. Oh, yeah, look at this. It'll drift into the corner. It'll be great. And then Han Stuck comes out and drives it like at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> and you're going around going, how does he, this guy's like the Matrix. Is this how he's driving? <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And suddenly the car, and he's chatting away to you. Like, it, like it's driving down the road. Um, so yeah, car comes bring us all over the place. Probably the best fun, two best fun times I've ever had. One was on the Circuit of Americas uh, in Texas in a BMW X6M. You know the the big oh yeah, 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 yeah. and they brought us the Circuit of Americas for this. Like you're you're looking at this four by four monster truck, going. But you probably do a Formula One track for this. This is making sense. But it was good fun. It's a fucking huge track, massive track, like much more vertical than you think it is. Um, when you're going up the long straight on the TV, it looks kind of flat. When you're actually driving up, all you can see is sky. There is no corner. You, the corner doesn't appear till you're at the very top of that end straight. Uh, and then the other one was uh, Portimao racetrack with BMW. They brought an M3 and M4. Yeah. They brought a 40 foot truck of tires. Uh, they rolled open the curtain on the tires and went, We don't want any of these by the end of today. <laughs> Do what you want. 
take what you like. And on that trip with me was Chris Harris uh, at the time. I was going to say, uh, Chris Harris, I've seen loads of videos of him at Portimao. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he overtook me power sliding, which wasn't funny. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going flat out and Chris Harris comes around the outside of me with smoke billowing from the back of the car and he just drifted while overtaking me at the same time with a big smiley grin on him as well. Um. Uh, we chatted at that time. Now that was just one. It was one of those trips where you meet people up and down all the time. But Chris Harris was just Chris Harris at the time. There was no Top Gear mention at the time, mm-hmm. but he was doing his own thing. He, um, he's someone who has made a real. He made a real success of the whole YouTube thing with the YouTube Drive platform and all that yeah. sort of carry on. You know, well, they got really... funded by YouTube, so YouTube gave them a shed lot of money to make those programs. Yeah, uh, which made a name for them. I suppose it was a good little bonus. But then when YouTube money stopped, they couldn't make. Like there was no way they could continue having crews of eight or nine people out there filming cars. It's just impossible amount of pay, you know. Uh, it was kind of silly by YouTube, but it worked out for Chris Harris, I suppose. It didn't work out for a lot of them, but it worked out for Chris Harris at the time because um, he went on to make his own videos and stuff. Uh, my claim to fame is he blocked me on Twitter because he didn't like what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny because he just he's, I'm not blocked on Instagram, so every once in a while I leave a message going, you blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> just just see, if <laughs> see if he blocked me again. <laughs> awesome I never uh, take offense of being blocked this morning <laughs> no Dan Dan Prosser has me uh, blocked blocked on or the RMS motoring blocked us on Twitter I have no absolutely no idea because I don't think we say we don't say anything everybody's post is fairly benign so I don't know what why he wasn't uh, even following Chris Harris I, we don't we weren't following each other or it wasn't something like I tweeted at him I just simply got you yeah it's just like I must have been on some kind of a list he just blocked all yeah, yeah. <laughs> He somebody said, "Look what Chris Harris out there saying." So I clicked the link, and it went to the account that the tweets of the tweet cannot be watched or you can't be viewed or something. I was going, "What the fuck does that mean?" Then I researched it more and went, "Chris Harris blocked me on Twitter. What they do? Like I don't remember tweeting the thing at him, but I must have said something at some point." I wonder if he's blocked everyone. He's overtaken in a power slide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Overtaken him. Power slide. Blocked. Yeah, one hand on the steering wheel, one hand on uh, the phone. Block. <laughs> Working his way through motoring journalists. Slowly but surely, yeah. You're on my trip, that. blogged. <laughs> You're not fast enough, blogged. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna change gears. Are you a Bond fan, Bob? I yeah, would be, yeah, over the years. Yeah. Daniel yeah. Craig did a good job. Yeah. I knew the new ones out yesterday, I think it came out, is it? Yeah, well the yeah, and the reviews have been been awesome for it. I'm booked to see it tomorrow night and I cannot wait. We're going to we we just because it's James Bond, and because it's on the cinema, we're going to go to cinema to watch it. We wouldn't normally be cinema, but we want to go out to do something other than to the pub sitting outside just in the miserable cold. Like. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I would be a big cinema goer, and I think the last thing I saw was uh, Tenet, you know, over the over the lockdown period. And then pro- probably I've only been to the cinema once in the, in the last, again, whatever the period. Yeah. Is. So I'm look, looking forward to something that sort of feels normal. It's the group experience, though, isn't it? I think that's what makes cinema more appealing than sitting at home and you're comfortable having a little beer or watching a movie or something. Um, it's the group experience. I think it's, it's going to be around you. exactly like uh, what's happened with some of these car events recently where people, they're not just going just to turn up. They really want to be there because they actually yeah. realize how much they've missed it. Mm. I, I, I know that... Uh, so I was at this at uh, the Titanic Dubs event at, at the same at nearly the same place, just on down the road from where you guys were for the Cannonball. There was a big um, Volkswagen Audi Group 
um, show, as I say, and it's been running 10 years, and it was absolutely fantastic. It was the biggest turnout they ever, ha- they ever had, and it was the atmosphere was just unbelievable because everyone was just wants to get out and actually really valued yeah. you know, what we have. You know, there's this whole renaissance of, of car enthusiasts, and you see it even, even uh, there was a supercar event up here uh, about six or seven weeks ago, and there's I was like, I never realized there were so many supercars in, in Northern Ireland just because people just wanted to get you know, normally uh, many you know many supercar owners are like you know they they like to keep things well hidden and maybe don't have yeah. look keep a low profile and all the rest. And I think now people are like oh, to hell with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I think there's an element of that, but I think there's a mental health element to the whole thing as well. In that, if you don't like cars, sometimes it just brings you outside of your your realm of possibilities. It's something you know. You're looking at it going, "This is amazing." I didn't know you could even do these things to cars, or you could lower them, or you can make them taller, or you can make them noisier. They're not sure of that, and maybe it, it lights a fire in some people that was never there before and gives them a new interest. And the ones who are interested get to see things because, you know, you go to meet and you, you might own a set down and you see a set down and meet and go, wow, I didn't know I could do that to the car. It looks deadly. I might try that. So there's there's a sort of um, get yourself outside your own head thing that's going on, particularly after lockdown, where everyone was stuck inside not only their own heads, but their own houses, maybe living in a house with people that they don't like, that don't want to be talking to, you know. So those people are there too. So if you can lift people out of that, then that's 99% of the thing done, you know. Yeah, unreal, unreal. Uh, I think it's worth asking the question, but where, where can everyone find you? So what, what's all your handles and websites and all the rest that people are looking for you? And what, what different, Thank what are God, your I refined that. I used to be called all kinds of things, all the place, but it's just simply Google Bob Flavin. The only thing that happens that the one come up there is TikTok. So it's Bob Flavin official on TikTok. Google and TikTok don't like each other. But if you Google me, you will find out my YouTube channel, my Twitter, my Instagram accounts. Uh, I'm on Snapchat as well. A bit harder to find me there, but still Bob Flavin on Snapchat, but I am there too. Um, I, I'm on essentially any platform and I usually respond to pretty much any question if you've got stuff about, about anything. It doesn't mean about yeah. it. It's not big cars, but it helps the way I understand the answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So look, if, uh, and I think if anyone's listening and they're thinking about buying a new car, you're the man, you could, you're the man to ask for, yeah, or, or, or search, search your videos because you will get a truthful answer, whether it's the right answer or sometimes it won't be the answer you wanted to hear because sometimes I'll just go, now your car is shite. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, but for sometimes I the right yeah yes <laughs> i did Don't. have i did have that conversation a guy says never guess what i bought this guy up down and i go what'd you buy an mg because they're shite and i just said it and the guy goes i did actually buy an mg yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i thought he was gonna play a joke with oh no my god he bought an mg um, so yeah, unless it's MG, but yeah, you won't always get the answer you want, but at least you get some as close as I can believe to be the truth of the matter of whatever the question is you've got. Incredible! Uh, you, you can't ask more than that. No, and if I think that's shy- the responsibility of all journalists. If you're a journalist, listen to this. Is your responsibility to tell the best you can of the truth of whatever it is, even if that means you make an enemy out of whatever you're reviewing. That's your job. Yeah, yeah, and look, and I think look, that's part of. Uh, it's part of your your appeal, Bob, because you 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 uh, speak speak from the heart, and not, sometimes from not the from head. not not from the press release. No, <laughs> I literally I am the only Irish journalist ever fallen asleep in a press conference. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I made the video, I made the video day one, and then then the press conference happens, and it goes, well, I can't change the video now. Like it's not like I can go back and film it again. So if you tell me something new, I don't care now. It makes the difference, right? So I'm sitting in the back of the thing, I'm watching, I'm watching, but it's very warm. Oh, it's warm, lads. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's Portugal warm. 
I've had a beer or two already. And I'm sitting back there going, this is like, and I did that old man nodding off. You know, <laughs> I'm not asleep at all. That's I, why I you don't get fun. the red eye flights anymore, is it? Yeah, no, I can't stand the red eye flight. Red eye flight and the beer and the driving and all, I get a bit tired. I'm very old now, so I can't be dealing with this press conference. Hello from my side. Look at my yellow runners. I'm going to tell you all about the, the size of my windows. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I sold 6,000 cars last year. Jeez, that's wild. That really rocks my boat. <laughs> I can't put that in my video. <laughs> Can you put this in a synopsis on a press release? <laughs> I read it at my leisure. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, look, Bob, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thanks, Andy. And absolute, absolute class. Oh, uh, fantastic. So uh, great, great, great fun, and uh, and f- funny enough, like the, d- doing a, a show like this, like this doesn't come naturally to us. You know, we're, we're just making it up as we as as yeah. we go along. But uh, every time we do it, it's, I enjoy it more and more, and it's great to meet people like uh, like yourself because other otherwise it would be it would just you know we just watch the videos and you don't get to understand your whole story about where yeah, it yeah. came from and, uh, and and where you're going with it and how, and how things have changed, especially this last, it sounds like this last 18 months, you've just really found all these new avenues and, and uh, crazy. It's been a wild time. I can't explain what it's like. I'm not trying to, you're not trying to blow smoke in it, but I can't explain how fast the world comes at you all of a sudden when you, when you find a niche that works and you're prepared for it which is even better you know it's not like a surprise it just it just happens <laughs> they sit back and go my god that guy across the street is staring at me now i don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> he's just gonna go you all right he goes oh my god you're problem and it's, you know it's that moment you go, yeah it's all right i'm actually here i'm real i'm not always in a little box <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. It, it, it is it's absolutely fantastic because the i mean the last two guest podcasts we've done have been yourself and jason barlow yeah. <laughs> proper celebrity famous people yeah talking, talking he'd be more famous us, than me though. Us, us two dicks <laughs> I know. Just, but you see zoom zoom and, and electronic stuff has become so easy now to get you don't have to go and spend a day seven hours getting to something and then sitting down in a room with people it's not as important it's nice to do things face to face for sure but you have much more of an opportunity to catch people now uh, through the kind of Zoom call stuff. So, like, I was on that trip with Jason recently. <clears throat> I don't even even talk on a, on a meet. There's so many people coming and going, and you're always busy at things. But we always end up with the same sort of stuff. So it's kind of cool when you when you sit back and like I did a podcast last year, and it was like the president of Ireland was on it. There was like a really famous radio celebrity dude, and then me. <laughs> and you're going, what am I doing here? <laughs> what is this guy doing? It's just TikTok, you know? Oh, and you go, this is weird. I don't really, this is very strange. I'm sitting here with the president of Ireland <laughs> a few minutes ago. Fucking <laughs> 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 TikTok and it likes cars. <laughs> um, so um, what car do you drive, Mr. President? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, look, I think we're going to go and try and look for a charging point for this uh, podcast. It's probably not going to be uh, working, so we're going to be a while. <laughs> we're going to need a diesel jenny to keep, to keep us going. Just to get the edit going. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, just thanks uh, to Bob again for sparing, uh, what's two hours, 25 minutes. I can't believe it. Unbelievable. Wow, it goes by quick, doesn't it? Uh, unreal. And uh, it's been absolutely, you've been absolutely first class. It's been uh, brilliant. Uh, thanks to uh, Craig as well and we'll be back very soon some more Wittering non- 
uh, nonsense. Uh, please remember everyone to like, subscribe, do all the things we're supposed to tell you to do. Follow us at RMS Motoring. You can email us at pod, P-O-D, at rmsmotoring.com if you have any questions or get us on the forum to ask any more questions. And uh, thanks for joining us. And remember, there's no warranty. This was sold the same.